Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I might chip out, man. I got this yet. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Echo Pick Pod. All right, ankle pickers, as promised, we have the probably the most anticipated interview in ankle pick history, the one and only Bruce Buffer. The way we're slotting this is Bruce Buffer interview and then the usual programming. When I'm telling you that not only is this the best executed video maybe in human history or the best executed interview, he also might be the single coolest person I've ever met, and that's not hyperbolic to say at all. I mean, when I mean every interest he's got is is an ankle pick interest, I mean, it is just, you cannot make this shit up. So hopefully we have him back. Enjoy this interview. It is phenomenal, and, and we'll catch you at the end of the half hour for the regular scheduled programming. Welcome back, ankle pickers. Today we have the very promised and hyped up interview with the one, the only businessman and voice of the UFC, Bruce Buffer. How you doing, Bruce? I'm doing great. Great. How are you doing, Reese? Do, uh, doing phenomenal. Better now. So first off, before we even get into any questions, I just, from all of us too, I've been watching the UFC and the sport for as long as I can remember since I was a little kid. And we just want to thank you for being such a good ambassador to the sport that we love and, and have grown up watching. Like the energy you bring time and time again is just made the sport even better than right. I ever thought was possible. So thank first so we just really want to thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's a very passionate, passionate endeavor on my part over 25 years now celebrated last uh, February. And my passion is just getting more and more and more um, for these great warriors and for the great fans. I'm all about the fighters and the show's not about me folks. It's about the fighters and it's about the fans and I'm there to serve and I'm having, I'm a kid in a candy store having a ball. I, oh, yeah. I, yeah. We, we feel it too. Like from our end of the TV, like I can feel the passion when you introduce each and every person. Thank you. Thank you. And we are coming off. Yeah. And we are coming off an absolutely incredible show. International oh. fight week, 266. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from that night, Saturday night? Well, I have to say that the last number of string of shows are a year long, whatever it's been COVID string, whatever the shows have been amazing. We've just had a lot of amazing shows Saturday night was basically offered us everything you can possibly ever dream about in a UFC with um, the main event, of course, you know, the five round war that almost stopped after three with the greatest third round. I think many of us have ever seen inside the octagon between the challenger warrior, Brian Ortega and the champion Alexander Volkanovsky um, down to Brian winning the fifth round to the controversy over should it have been stopped, which quite frankly, I think it should have at some point, um, but it didn't, you know, it went on to be what it is. You can call that fight Rocky one. That was Rocky yeah. one personified all the way through. It was cut me Mick. It had everything in it. It was just don't stop this fight. It had every bit of drama you could ask for. So you saw literally one of the, if not some people's minds, the greatest featherweight fight of all time. I was oh, actually yeah. going to ask you the follow-up there. Uh, in that third round, I was just listening to Volkanovsky and uh, Hooker talk about it. Do you, do, what did you think about that one minute? You, you have one minute in between rounds and, and Herb allowed it to continue on kind of to clear the cobwebs. I've never seen anything like that before for, for Ortega. And, and you believe it should have been stopped? 
I think when I was realizing the damage, listen, I'm not, I'm not about fighters taking damage. One of the things I hate, oh, he can take a punch. Oh, she can take a punch, you know, and I understand that. But you know what? You know what that taking a punch means? It's like what's going to happen 10 years, 20 years. When I used to bang and I took a, I got concussed a few, number of times, more than probably more than the times I know about when I was kickboxing and such. You never know what the delayed damage is going to be. And I've been in the world of boxing for over 30 years and UFC for 25 Boxers, as a rule, have five or more deaths a year due to the head trauma, which is not necessarily during the fight. It's during the training, right? So I'm always about safety first, but this is the fight game. This is the hurt game, but I don't want to see people take unnecessary damage. Uh, Brian came off a very damaging fight against Max Holloway, right? Now this one. Mm -hmm. So, and I love Brian. He's a friend. He's a great, he's a great young man. There's no question. Alexander, I'm getting nothing but respect for. I think he's cool as hell. Um, it's so, it's so honored to meet these incredible warriors, um, and to get to know them and create relationships with them, but I don't want to see people get hurt. So if that fight was stopped, I would have had no problem, but the fact that it wasn't stopped, it went five rounds and is the greatest fight, you know, one of the greatest fights of all time on that. I have no problem. I just hope and wish there's no damage. And that's, and what that's, always. And that's the stigma of the sport that like so many people don't understand is it's not about watching people get hurt it's about the martial arts that they've spent their lifetimes training and, yeah. and showing off yeah exactly and we got it we got the show and you got valentina shoshenko she says she can fight till she's 50 you know what yeah. she can yeah I mean, Tom Brady learned, it doesn't surprise me yeah she's fighting she's on the ground she's standing up lauren murphy's giving it you know everything she can give it and valentina's like okay time to time to yeah. end this fight i see a lot more and skills in her future yeah yeah it's um, incredible so bruce we know that uh you bet on, you gamble on the NFL. Um, are you allowed to gamble on, on UFC or MMA, MMA in general? We're yeah, I'm allowed to. Podcast. I'm allowed to, but I don't. Um, I'll tell you one of the reasons. I'm not a big better on fights. Uh, I will tell you that the two or three fights that I would have bet on, um, Randy Couture against Tim Sylvia when it was eight to one. When Holly Holm came out at 20 to one opening against Ronda Rousey, I told everybody to take Holly. No, no, no disrespect to Ronda. But I knew Rhonda, no matter what her her coach says and everybody said, she's a great striker. No, Rhonda was not a great striker. She was going against the first striker she ever truly was going to face in Holly, who's a three-time or more champion in 16 years of kickboxing and boxing. So I thought that was one of the greatest bets of all time. Um, and I was thinking about putting five grand on it for, you know, shite and giggles. But I have this thing. If I'm announcing the fight, I don't bet on the fights. Okay. And I don't like betting on favorites um, that you think are going to win when it's 10 to one to bet a hundred to win 10 bucks or five, but that's not exciting to me. So my games of betting as as you know, I'm a big poker player. Mm -hmm. I was voted the number eight best celebrity celebrity poker player in the world by card player magazine, like nine years ago. And I try to keep that up, but uh, football poker, blackjack, I got my fill. That's all I need. And bourbon, uh, the puncher's chance. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? That's what this is all about. All of us have a puncher's chance in life. And I've been an underdog my whole life and the things I've done. That's why I fell in love with this name. And my partners uh, were behind Sammy Hager's Cabo Wawa Tequila, Skinny Girl, Campari. They've done big brands that have sold for hundreds of millions of dollars. So puncher's chance now, I'm proud to say, uh, since we opened up in October, we are the craft, as a craft distributor, we are one of, if not the fastest selling bourbon in America. And we've won six gold medals, three for taste and three for design of the bottle. So we're the highest rated, fastest selling craft distributor bourbon now. I'm very proud of it. As a matter of fact, this month, we're coming out with a special 
2,000 cases of a 12-year reserve version. Now, this is a $60. This should be selling for $60, but we sell it for around 30 because we want to make sure the price point's there for everybody to try. We just opened up in Pennsylvania and Alabama. We're selling hotcakes in Florida, all throughout the country. Or you can just go to wolfspiritsdistillery.com and you can order it online. Have it shipped directly to your house. Wolfspiritsdistillery.com. And it is very tasty. I love my bourbon. Oh, thank you. Have you tried it? I have, yes. Fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate it. You have caramel, vanilla. Um, You know, there's other... Like the rock has his train, uh, Tremania tequila, which I happen to enjoy. I think it's really good. You know, Connor, we all know did well with proper 12, but that's more of an Irish whiskey, right? Not a bourbon. No, no, that's not it. Well, they're all considered whiskeys, but that's an Irish whiskey. Right. And he's done very well with it, but no awards. Yeah. We, uh, (laughs) we're this podcast is pretty much everything you just said, the fights, gambling, and, and of course the drinking. So (laughs) you would fit right in or you do fit right in. Thank you. And I don't know if you have anybody in the UK, but I've been working two years in this project. I've developed with my team the finest natural energy product uh, for athletes and others. It's infused with tons of vitamins and minerals, and it doesn't have the horrific stuff like taurine that Red Bull and Monster has in it. This is high quality, all natural. Athletes can drink it. I've even been working with USADA, who has another agency that we're going to have test the batches. Um, we just released this in England on Amazon and it's selling like hotcakes. There there. Yeah. We actually, a good percentage of our viewership is from, uh, the UK. So you, you heard it here, go get it's time, uh, yep. now selling in the UK. You can get it on Amazon by the, by the crate. So go ahead and do that while I'm selling my, all my products on mm-hmm. your show, go to it's time If you're in the UK, I think their contest is over now, but we're doing special things. I'm going to be giving away tickets to shows, flights to shows, you name it. But we had especially frame my fight card and we had like 15 wow. of them for people to win in a special frame. Probably the value on that's around a thousand dollars or more each because I just set the record, the fight cards I hold in my hand. Yeah, I've only sold about 15 sets of cards, but I just got notified by my memorabilia um, manager that uh, the um, Conor McGregor Poirier card uh, set just sold for fifty five hundred, breaking the record wow. for the Amanda Nunes cyborg set that sold for 4,800. And honestly, that doesn't seem like enough. I'm actually going to jump the script here because we a lot talk about sports cards and just the heat up in the market, the UFC one, especially. And I was going to ask you, do you collect either sports cards, mainly UFC now that they've really been coming out or just any type of memorabilia? It sounds like, I mean, I know you're selling uh, your cards, but. um, You just extended our interview another 10 minutes, which I have time for. Okay. So awesome. let me tell you, let me, let's talk sports cards. All right. Oh, awesome. When I was a kid, when you're kids, whatever, we all want what we all want our own baseball card. We all want our own action figure. We want to be in a video game for me. I want to be in a Super Bowl commercial. I want to do all I've done all those. Okay. And I've been proud to say that tops made about 12 different cards of me. I understand Panini is going to come out with a card to me. Now we're going to work on a deal there. I am a huge collector of sports cars. I've been collecting since I was a kid. I'm back in 1992. I used to go into the sports card shops. I opened up 86 Fleer basketball, oh. $20 a pack. First pack I ever opened had a Michael Jordan rookie. Yeah, I was about to say. The first pack I ever opened. Regret to say that that rookie was mint. Uh, probably would have PSA graded around 8 to 10. Uh, if it was 10, that those sold, sell for a quarter million or more each now. But I sold that card for $1,100 about 11 years ago. 
taking a huge profit. And now that card is probably worth anywhere yeah. from 50,000 or more. Yeah. Another example is I had an 8081 box wax box of tops basketball, which has the bird rookie uh, magic Johnson rookie panel card in it. Right. I paid $450 for that. I don't know whether $1,100 is my kill all number. I auctioned that off for 1100 too, seven years ago. <laughs> That just sold for fifty thousand dollars. If anything, if anyone offers you eleven hundred for anything, decline at this point. I'm declining it. Well, I my house is full of stuff. I've got unopened wax packs of baseball from my birthday to 1957. I have a 1950 Bowman rated 10 PSA football card pack. I've got so much stuff, guys. If you notice the the poster behind me, which is the original Doctor No poster for James Bond, I collect vintage movie posters. I collect sports memorabilia. And I collect antique weapons. I used to put on collectible gun and antique shows in Vegas and L.A. some 20 years ago because my family was a big collector. I'm a huge collector that memorabilia. Like music to my ear. Do you, are you familiar with Ross Baines at all? He uh, Yes, I, of course. Yeah. Ross Baines just did. He just did a, a picture of me. It's hanging downstairs. OK, I, I got that from him about a year ago, uh, an original. And I've actually been before this interview ever got set up. I've wanted to have one of you doing a call because of the, oh. how like inspirational and ambassador you've been for the sport. Like I'm geeking. This is all real energy because sports cards, bourbon, gambling, UFC. I mean, that's my life in a nutshell. Now we got to talk really about like women, but don't get me started on that. OK, so oh, it, believe me, I, I can't go toe for toe for you, but I'm in, in a similar vein. There you go. Enjoy your life, my friend. Just uh, be a role model to your sphere of influence, as I always say. That's all. That's my goal. Bruce, have you uh, pivoted? Wait, one second. One second. Contact Ross Baines. I signed 20 uh, litho copies of what he did for me. He might still have something. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I actually chat with him. A, a, not a decent amount, but a, a couple times a year. I He's some of his, I, his Cormier one. I actually thought was a real picture that he just took and snapped and printed on. It looked you could see the sweat and everything. It was remarkable. If he's out of the lithos of me, tell him to make one, send it to me, and I'll sign it and send it to you. Oh, my gosh. That'd go right up That'd in the incredible. studio. I am going to reach out now. Um, have you gotten into uh, the NFTs at all? Have you considered maybe even in its time NFT? I mean, we, we've mentioned how iconic your introductions are. Uh, yes. My NFT, I'm with the Eternity, and we're talking about coming out in November. Oh, I've very delaying cool. the release for a little while, um, but all good. All good. There was something else I wanted to tell you regarding the cards we were talking about. It just escaped my mind. That's that's where I ran off to. I uh, was going to yeah. tell you. So I've the the sports cards. Oh, I grabbed the wrong one. I have the Gilbert Burns one of one rookie card, the black one from this year, PSA nine. Um, it's there like my go. prized possession. I that we, Panini. Uh, Panini. Yeah, I was. I went to go grab and find it. I have this big case. Like I'm a big collector. Like. I grabbed the wrong Gilbert Burns. This is like his rookie to 10 PSA. Oh, that's very cool. Very good. And the PSA, I have a bunch of stuff in being graded by PSA now because I bought uh, a box of 87 and a box of 88 Fleer basketball. I made a mistake. They were going so much. I paid $60,000 for the 87 and now they're selling for 40. So I bought a second one for 25. I got, so I averaged it down to 40. This is big money. I I spend big money on cards. Um, and I had a chance to buy an 86 Fleer box back in 92 again for $4,000. Yeah. They sell for a half million now. That's you, how crazy it is. Are you grading the box itself, like the sealed I box? I have the box. Yeah. The box. I'm grading all the packs in the box. Mm-hmm. I already got the boxes back. So yeah. I have those here, but I'm waiting for all the packs within the box to be individually graded. Is wow, what what a home right run now. question. I didn't know where that was going to go. I That could have just been an easy, I don't collect. What, no, what not a, with what me. A, 
Yeah. Wow. Let me tell you too, I'm on the UFC it. cars, the tops cars that came out in uh, yeah. 209, I have a box from the 209 that was $75 that you can't touch now for under 3000 or more. Um, and then I was going through my, my storage and I noticed I had two boxes sitting there of the second issue, two cases, which I paid seven fifty each for that now go for 15,000 each. And then I have a third yeah. case of, uh, I forget the name of them, um, of the UFC cars from 2010 or 11. That's also going for 10. I've got like, again, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying I, I do. I talk no, about my I'm... podcast. It's investment collecting and they sell. Exactly. Got, it, not everything's going to sell. You buy right. the right stuff and they sell. And those are yeah. $60,000 worth of gold bricks, you know, sitting in my storage out, away from my home. Cause obviously I got to, I can't put everything here. I got things locked up and safe. Right. And don't anybody try to come to my home. That'd be the kiss of death. Thing. <laughs> not just because of no, me, I because mean, of other avenues I have here. <laughs> but that's the thing that's so crazy is like, like you said, like I wasn't taking his brag and I was like from one collector to another, it's like, I love seeing and hearing other people's collections. Um, but that's the thing too, is like, it also brings a joy I'm stepping out of the camera for a second, but I'm listening to you. Yeah. I'm I was about to do the same. It brings a joy to me. Like, having some of my favorite fighters PSA graded rookie cards. Like I display some of them. I, I have a photo case displaying a basketball card next to me right now. So if you're not in collectibles, it's hard to understand a, a lot of these prices. I know some people are like, Whoa, you paid 2000 for that or 2,500 for that. And I'm like, just, just trust me, just sit back. Uh, and the UFC, I think not only the MMA, but the UFC Gold bricks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are just, and the paninis are limited. The limit. And yeah, the paninis I, are limited. I bought a case of panini as soon as it came out, plus a box. Um, like here's one of my cars from Tops, which I have graded. You know, it's signed. Oh, oh, I've graded eight. Okay, yeah. And you know, it's what's cool is that's me. And there's been cards I've had. I managed my brother Michael's career for over 30 years. You know, the greatest announcer right. of all time, Michael Buffer. Let's get ready to rumble. And um, this is our grandfather, Johnny Buff. Wow. 1921, Bantamweight Flyweight Champion of the World. Burt Sugar, the boxing historian, called him the greatest fighter in 1921. And um, it's amazing. Huh? It's, it's See, so and cool. those, and those to, like, those don't even have a value. You know, that's the other thing that, like, sentimental value. That's a, sentimental value. Like, no, I'm saying, like, for me, if I offered you a price, there is no price that I could offer for you. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you, there's, that's what I meant as they have no, priceless. they're priceless, is, is the way I should have phrased it. But really quickly, there's that one-on-one Burns. Oh, there that you is go. like this is like yeah the the prize and joy. And then we brought up Valentina, so I just got this one back the other day too. Oh, very cool. How yeah. long did it take you to get those graded? So I actually was running a graving service for a while, so I have like a PSA uh, rep there. But I was getting these for 150, and I got them in like a week turnaround time. So if you have anything oh, worth very lucky. spending 150, well, if it's if you're willing to pay 150 per, you can get it done in a week, week and a half. Now it's opened up. It's the long stuff. Like I have some stuff in bulk. That's like, they're saying a million years from now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there, there's a couple collectibles that just went off and Michael Jordan's underwear just sold for oh. $1,784 <laughs> underwear. Who could verify that? Oh boy. I was there. I don't know. I don't know. That, that sounds like a DNA test to me, but mm -hmm. I, right. you know, what can you do? Right. There's something for everybody, folks. There's something for everybody. I can yeah. tell you some collectibles that I don't want to tell you about that, <laughs> that are just so weird that people paid a lot of money for. It's crazy. Yeah. And sure. don't, and don't, it's, it's not too late. If you're listening, we, we talk about cards all the time here. And I know we get questions a lot about what look into it. It's worth it. You can, you can find some of your favorite fighters. It's just an absolute blast. 
um, yeah. to do. Bringing this back a little bit, I, I mean, they're not collectibles yet, but your sport, your sports jackets. How many of those do you own? How many of those do you travel with? How- well, like Saturday, you notice I did a change up. I started in one, okay. I changed up into the other. I made special for the show. When the shows are special, I do that. I have I've well over sixty. Um, they're one of a kind because the raw jacquard silk that my tailors, which are King and Bay out of Toronto, Canada, check them out on Instagram my, at my King and Bay. They will design, make, and ship your suits and tuxedos anywhere in the United States. A lot of fighters, a lot of people go on, just contact them, say you want to dress like buff or whatever, and they'll give you a special <laughs> deal. Um, but they're incredible. And um, the lining, everything they do. But yes, I have well over 60. Again, we've been able to find enough Roger Card Silk material to recreate maybe a second jacket on about six occasions, which they've auctioned off, which have auctioned off anywhere from seven, eight, nine thousand $9,000, which goes to charity. I keep all my jackets. And um, again, collectible market. Trust yeah. me, when I'm one, two and turn on eBay, eBay is going to be on fire with all the stuff <laughs> I have sitting around, but I just love it. And uh, I, I wear the jackets maybe once or twice each a year, but I usually have about anywhere from eight to 12 new outfits made a year, surprising the audience. I Guys, it cracks me up. Okay. I, the UK Sun, the New York Post, they made an article calling me a fashionista. I'm like, come on. I wear Lululemon and bathing suits by day and tuxedos <laughs> by night, you know, all good. Yeah. Good way to dress. Yeah. Um, I, I heard a rumor that you brought mul- you bring multiple to a show. Like a rumor is in like just in the MMA community under like forums or whatever. And if if there's a uh, if I know that the commentators have gotten splattered before in some of the wars, do you ever have a change of clothes for that reason? No, no. If I got blood on me, sweat, spit, whatever, that's part of the deal, man. That's it's wow. a be real. I mean, you know, listen, I, I like looking good and I'm a little, we're all a little vain at times, but you know, if there's blood on my jacket, that means I'm in the mix. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had a fighter come up to me, bloody that wants to give me a hug, you know, whatever, or fist bump. I can't turn that down. That's their moment of truth. You know, I'll go get go to the cleaners and I've had blood taken out and I got Purell at the table in this COVID environment and wash my hands. I mean, it, again, the show's not about me. It's about the fighters and the fans and I'm there to serve both. That actually is another question I had. You mentioned the fist bump. I noticed that like some fighters like almost won't even fight until they give you that fist bump after announcing their name. Did that just randomly spark up or is that something that you, you kind of created? Yeah, that actually started. There was one particular fighter and I'm brain farting right now um, uh, that started that. And then it took off. And the thing is, you have to understand something. Dan Hardy and I started that interaction and that, I've always gotten into the corner. They respect me enough to get into the corner. I never know what I'm going to do till I do it, whether I jump, turn, or do whatever. But I used to bang myself, and it's like I want to introduce the fighters. I know what it takes to be there, and I and I just want to give them my all, right? So I wind up getting in. They could easily push me out of their space or pop me or whatever, and <laughs> not nothing happens. They're like this. But I never, ever instigate a fist bump. That is them to me. Right. It's not about me. Hey, it's about what they want. And if, and whether it's Michael Chiesa going, come to me, come to me or or TJ Dillashaw or a fighter coming out wanting that bump. I am there to serve. And it's an honor. It's such an honor. You know, think about Definitely. it. Yeah. I don't think any other announcer. Well, this might sound cocky. No other announcer announces like me unless they want to copy me, which cracks me up when I see some of these people <laughs> copy me. I'm always like, you know, you've got a voice, you got whatever. Develop your own style. Develop your own style. You'll never get recognized being a mimic. Develop your own style. If anybody could have copied anybody, it would have been me with my great brother, right? 
Mm-hmm. I didn't even have a catchphrase for seven or eight years till after I started. It's not what I say, it's how I say it. But getting back to your question, um, it's great. It's a good dramatic moment. It's good TV. It's showbiz, baby. It's, it's not show business, it's showbiz. Let's create a show. Let's create entertainment. And, and you guys at, at the UFC do a phenomenal job. Like, like I said, just you're right. There, re- there really isn't anyone in, in a non-cocky way like you. And that's why it's such an honor to have you be the face of our sport in so many ways. Is oh, thank just, you so much. It it's brings so much joy to the sport on, I know from my end, I know a lot of other people as well. Well, I can tell you that every night I walk out there like Saturday night. Okay. I, I felt I banged it out of the park. I felt I had a really good show along with the show being as great as it was, but I go out there again on Saturday and that was, that was, that's the past it's over. I got to prove to myself this coming Saturday, I deserve this job. And that's the way I am every single fight night for 25 plus years. And that's what keeps my passion flowing. I don't sit on my laurels. I don't talk about a 360. I did a UFC 100 or whatever. <laughs> Somebody else can bring it up. I'm not, I got to go out there and prove I deserve this job Saturday night. So going off of, of just kind of just talking about the fist bump and, and interactions during your intro, what is the weirdest thing that's happened during one of your intros? I know during uh Kudalaba Inc. Live one, there was kind of a, fracas that went down but is there anything else that you remember specifically popping off and being weird or, or any other kind of stories you can share oh i remember one time with cabbage carrera and tank abbott when they were fighting and a brawl broke out you know in the yeah. in the octagon i mean that's happened more than once with habib and connor but that brawl was actually i mean i thought i was going to get in the mix right and fighter turned around and kind of held off from you know doing whatever and i had to calm cabbage down i mean there's been so many different situations um you know, Ian Kudalabra is, he's a funny character. The funny thing is, is that the two or three times that I've had to get in the middle of him walking over and one time really get in there and stop him, <laughs> where's the commission? And God bless the referee. I mean, I'm the announcer. I have no problem doing that, guys. Okay, I'm I'm always game, not for a go, not that I want to go with them. Okay, I've had that experience with fighters in the past, um, whether it's an elevator or otherwise. But, you know, the, the bottom line is this is, interrupting the flow of the show this this fight could get canceled right now because he's going to make the wrong move obviously i'm going to get in there and push him away and eon and i have talked about it after the fight and he's a really cool guy but he's you know very menacing scary i mean when he's mean and ready to fight he's ready to fight um but if nobody else is going to hop to the defense or security position needed then i'm going to take care of it you know no i got no problem with that it's all good and I, I have a feeling I'm sure the UFC doesn't love that either. <laughs> Having you step in the middle of a, a guy whose nickname is the Hulk. <laughs> Nobody's complained yet. I can hold my own. Maybe not against the oh, Hulk, yeah, but I, I can at least stand there and, you know. No, I don't doubt that for a second. I know even position. on some of the notes, just your mixed martial arts background and, and career is just, you're definitely not one to be to mess around with. Um, I appreciate that. I'm paying for it now. My shoulders, you know, the cartilage loss, uh, all the, all the beatings that I've taken, not just that from surfing, you know, getting slammed by big waves and stuff like that. But you're all, listen, you too. You guys are young. Yeah. Everything you do today, you're going to pay or enjoy in the future. Trust me. And, and that's the big reason why you got in. Our UK guys got to get the It's Time Energy drink. None of that uh, taurine in it to slow you down as you go. No, vitamins, um, minerals, pump you up, make you feel good. And that's the thing too is, is we know that you're uh, iconic and we've talked about how you can – uh, one of your big business sectors is that cameo that you can get yeah. done at, at brucebuffer.com. Um, and, and can you do it on cameo as well, or just brucebuffer.com? No, no. What, what happened is, is about maybe close to 10 years ago, or whatever. I, I did a little thing at Christmas offering like uh, audio um, for like 
very inexpensive because I get I've got I got paid a lot of money for those in the past and I still could, but I just wanted to set a price for the fans. I don't want to I want the fans to be able to get their enjoyment. I give partial proceeds to animal military and children charities. So through BruceBuffer.com, uh, we did it and then they just kept ordering after Christmas. And my partner Kristen and I uh, we thought let's keep doing this because the thank you notes we got were bringing tears to our eyes. It was like, oh my God, we're making people so happy. So I put a form at brucebuffer.com. You can order a video or an audio of a championship introduction um, and fill it out and pay through PayPal. And we get tons of orders every week. And then Cameo got came out. And I was one of the first ones on Cameo. And now that's just, it's become a whole nother business. Yeah. And even during COVID, because the virtual reality and home entertainment and people started ordering even more, my business went up three, 400% during COVID, you know, but I, I'm a marketer and a brander first. I'm a businessman. I mean, announcing is my weekend. Boy Scouts go to camp job. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm a businessman. I run different companies and I enjoy it, but um, it's developed big. So yeah, I'm a cameo and there's another one called memo. I do, which is in Europe, but uh, brucebuffer.com. They come to me for weddings and, and cameo too, weddings and birth of babies and graduations and COVID feel good messages. And I can't begin to tell you the kind of things I get asked to do. No, and then there's I, business people that want me to promote their business on a social media video or something. And I'm open to everything as long as it's classy, respectful, and fits the business acumen and plan that I have in place for my, my brand and my career. Well, I hope this isn't overstepping then, but we have our intro right now. It's a little shoddy. It would mean the world to us. I mean, we're your three biggest fans I, I know of. Would you hit us with an intro that we could use for the rest of our lives? <laughs> I will do that for you guys because wow. you guys are so nice. Anybody else call me, you're going to have to pay. Okay, exactly. Here That's why I wanted to make sure the cameo got out there first. This is like a, a one-time thing. This is, means the world to us. Ready? Now we're born. And now this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Echo Pick Pod. Oh my gosh. Is that okay? <laughs> oh, I'm ready to jump okay? through a brick wall. <laughs> I know. I, I'm ready to fight now. Thank you so much, Bruce, for coming on here and chopping it with us. It really honestly means the world to us. And uh, it was such a joy to have you on. I had no idea that literally my entire life it seems to be your interest as well, which is just awesome. Oh, huge. My brother, Brian's a master at this stuff. I'm telling you, we have a collection that just would blow your eyes out. I seriously, I hope one day sure I can see it. it. I I'm still building mine over here. Uh, I, I have a suitcase full over there, but I, I, you know, I hope we get to chat up again sometime soon. It's, this has been an absolute blast on my end. I know everyone else feels the same way. So thank you. My so pleasure. Much. My pleasure. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to mention. Yeah. Anything. Oh, Raiders. Oh, yes. Raiders, Raiders. I'm having a ball. I'm the Raider guy now. Yeah, I mean, Philadelphia I is my hometown. That. The Eagles I love. Uh, horrible how they perform Sunday night. I don't think they're going to do very well. And I'm not getting away from the Eagles because I love the Philadelphia Eagles being a Philadelphia boy. But it's an honor uh, being the Raider guy. And I can't begin to tell you how exciting it is to get up there in front of 70, 80,000 people and do my thing. And I'll be back there for Monday night, Sunday night, more home games coming up. Um, three and oh, first time in 19 yeah, years. I, I think you're the reason. I so buffer, everyone knows I don't about that. I don't know about that. Everyone, buffer bump. everyone knows me in, in like all my friends is like as like the UFC MMA guy. And the amount of calls and texts I got of like, oh my gosh, for that Monday night football game when you first yeah. did it, they're like, oh, I, 
everyone became Raiders fans all of a sudden. They're like, oh, coming my Coming out gosh, with Aoki the energy. song. It was. Yeah. That's our song, production. by the way. That's my song. You can get the It's Time. You go to YouTube and look at the vid- music video of It's Time with Aoki and me. We, we're both very excited about that. Um, but, you know, I'll be back as I was last Sunday without Aoki, you know, when I can, every chance I get. And then one last plug. And, oh, boy, everybody's yeah, going to no. say, what, is, what does Buffer do? All he does is plug his shit. So here we go. <laughs> Millions.co. Go oh, to yeah. millions.co. Now, what this is, is we take every athlete in the world, and I'm all about branding and marketing. And the thing about the athletes, the fighters, especially to me, is they're working for their person on fight night. They need to be making money in other ways. So I'm trying to teach people branding and marketing overnight, like whether it's John Anik or um, other people coming in, even Brittany Palmer, you know, the Octagon girls, I have Rams cheerleaders, you name it. We make merchandise for them overnight and t-shirts, hats, hoodies. Plus there's the cameo feature in millions.co to do videos. There's AMAs, which is called ask me anything. You can ask your favorite athletes, anything you want. And there'll be times when USC fighters will have it like a fighter companion type thing, like Joe Rogan does on his show where their fan base, as they follow them on millions, you can watch the USC fight with one of your fighters and they'll answer questions all throughout the night. So check out millions.co. Um, I have that's merch a, there. Like this is one of my shirts. That's a genius idea. And I know, uh, oh, there you go. Buff life, buff life shirt. It's time. Circa that, 1996. First time I went in the octagon. John Anik has his one more sleep shirts, which are selling like hotcakes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I use uh, just that check it out. It's, uh, yeah. it's exploded. And I know there's like a lot of talk in the media these days too, about fighter pay and stuff. And, and you can never underestimate how much your brand is worth. And I, I think not only like you said, it's not what you say, it's how you say it, but just build, and how some people try to copy. It's all about building your own brand. So millions.co, not com, millions.co to visit that site as well. Uh, anything else, Bruce? Uh, floor is yours. I could go on and on. I think we're, we're I pretty well it. there. <laughs> Perfect. Um, th- thank you again from all of us at Ankle Pick Pod. It's been an absolute blast. And I really hope we could chop it up with you again soon. No problem. You boys take care. Big cheers. No fears forever. I say, and above all, please stay safe. This COVID thing is not over. It's not a joke. And when I was in Vegas this weekend, I'm purposely staying quarantined for three days from my family because um, people coming up to me without masks wanting to, it's just, no, I have people around me are getting sick like crazy, right. From this thing vaccinated or not. And especially if you're not, you know, but it's it's very safe. I'm just telling everybody, please stay safe. I please say you as well. And that's it. (laughs) Cool. Awesome. It was a pleasure. Thank you again, Bruce Buffer. What a phenomenal interview we just had. I mean, was I right or was I right? The guy truly my new best, like literally I can't, I, I just, I hope the guy comes back. He's, I mean, it was so much fun. Just (laughs) walking energy. And then at the end, just had me running through a brick wall. Hopefully I'm not just too amped for this episode we can get our facts straight no such thing we're shadow boxing in in the studio as we speak here's the thing too uh new intro for life i mean come on now that will never be changed we ankle pick episode 1555 it'll still be that intro changed my mind you can uh, see so, that one day oh dude yeah that's it'll be for, to it well not for sale not for trade action um here we go though so we're just gonna get right into it then thank you again bruce what a phenomenal interview and we're going to look forward to this week's card. But first, we have the recap as usual. This card, International Fight Week, there was a question on the interview with Bruce about it. We're going to hit you with a quick recap this week. 
not get too bogged down Bogdanoviched. And we're going to start uh, UFC 266. If you'd like to follow along, obviously last week's card, not hard to miss. We're going to start with the performance bonuses. Danny, before Kobe gets into it, take a guess. Take one guess at at, at first performance. Is it uh, Kobe? Is it two performances and then fight? Yep. Okay. Take your guess at the performances. Take two jab. You get two 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 guesses at the two performances. All right. Uh, I think that the fight of the night is going to be a pretty easy one to predict. Yep. So I'm not going to mention that. I think my girl Mojo Auto out of ten, Jessica Andrade, <laughs> gets one of the uh, performance bonus, and I am going to give the other one. I'm going to give it Chris Daukus. Interesting. I saw Daukus too, and I think he didn't reach far enough. I'm going to give the first one to Matthew Semselberger. And the problem is I know that Dana is going to be hesitant because Martin Sano had no business in there. Giving it to him anyways, you, you, 15 seconds is just, oh, my God, that fight was crazy. There's a lot of people you could give it to. I want to almost say that Dana doubled up and gave fight of the night and performance of the night to Volkanovsky, but I'm going to lean off that and say he actually gave it to Marab. So I'm going to go Marab for the first one and uh, Samselberger for the second. Between the two of you, you got it. So fight of the night, we got spot on Volk Ortega. We'll yeah, get there in easy. a second. Marab and Andraj. Dacus and, Mar- and Marab. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. See, I knew Samselberger, like the, it was risky. The reason why is because like Dana doesn't like to give his bonuses to guys who just stouch people. I mean, let's face it. I, I was, uh, but out he of loves the, giving him to the heavyweights. Uh, he does. You throw big some, hands. Yeah. For some reason he wants the action, but like Martin Sano had no business in the Samselberger. Uh, and do you know what's funny about that fight too, Dan? I don't know if you noticed this or picked up on it, but Samselberger after the fight was like pissed off because he put so much preparation and time into his training camp. And he's like, I actually wanted to fight here. The guy didn't even scratch me. Like, I, I think he was like genuinely bummed that more leather wasn't slung that night, but we'll probably see him in a, as a quick turnaround. Yeah, maybe quick turnaround for sure. yeah. Okay. So we touched on it for a second on Obviously, someone that you had as a potential potential uh, performance of the night. Obviously, partially because of your Mojo Auto, which is respectable. Um, and then Valentina defended her belt as easy as she ever has. I know in the pro, uh, post fight presser, Lauren Murphy said that no matter what she had for for Shevchenko, she was ten steps ahead of her. I mean, she had nothing for her. So it, it leads me to a question that I'm I'm interested to hear: women's flyweight. It's a relatively new division. It is a relatively top-heavy division for the most part. You know, I mean, I know there's some prospects like uh, Miranda Maverick we talk about a lot, but for the most part, who's next for Shevchenko? I mean, do you want to run the Nunes trilogy back at like a catch weight? But Nunes probably can't get to 130. I mean, what do you want to do? I mean, Nunes just bigger, beat her twice. But Andrade just had a crack at her, got finished in the crucifix. We just watched that. Jukakian had nothing for her. Lauren Murphy had nothing for her. Jennifer Maya actually had gave her fits for a round or two. But, like, I don't know, man. State of the women's flyweight division, where do you have it? I know that it was not an entertaining fight and it wasn't even competitive, but I think that the only thing you can do is run back the Andrade fight. 
She looked absolutely phenomenal. She's looked great since changing divisions. Um, obviously, besides the Shevchenko loss, but you say top heavy, and it's really just that champion that that is far and away leads better than the division. I would love to see Nunez again. I'm not sure either woman has that as their number one priority right now, but yeah, I I, I just I think for the most part, I see our open parlays just trucking along, rolling I mean, down the tracks. What about why? Why would you do Andrade over? Maya, even though Maya, Maya gave Shevchenko more fits, didn't get finished in the first round, and uh, just beat Jessica I. Like I know Jessica I got stouched too, but like I don't know. I it just it, it's almost a bummer. Do you do? You, here's a question. I mean, we're we're talking about a night where both of these women won by TKO. Obviously, Andrade was a little more dominant, but do you see Shevchenko going back to 115? I know it's a brutal cut for her. But just like taking a double champ status, taking Maybe. out Rose or Wei Li. That's I definitely something think she could. I think she's talented enough and she looks comfortable at 125, not so she much does. like yeah. on the edge. I think that she could make the cut, but I don't know if I, if I'm her, I don't know why I would. I think that she's, she's comfortable. She said she was going to fight forever into her fifties. I think she just carries this belt. She's the yeah. first fighter that we see fill up all the rubies, infinity, infinity stone type shit. I, I think that she goes down as one of the greatest UFC champions of all time, more so I know. longevity. But well, I mean, scared. obviously also because she's dominant, but I think she's going to be dominant forever. I'm just scared, though, that, that there's going to be this overarching, like, narrative to her story where it's like, oh, she never faced anyone tough. She faced Amanda twice. Everyone else wasn't tough. And that's not true. These women are tough. I mean, it's just more that Shevchenko's leaps and bounds ahead of them. I don't know. I think a 115 move would be interesting. I just don't think someone of her caliber would be interested in a, in a tough cut like that. Oh, yeah, I'm here for it. I don't think she wants to. What else do you want to talk about from last week? I know you had a Marab question for me. Well, yeah, that, I that just needs want to know, be mentioned. I just want to know where your where your heart rate was at, where where your mental was at in, in oh. that first 30 seconds when Marab went down. I know you have a lot of stake in him. You're talking about how his chin's unbreakable and I definitely was, I mean, I, I think we broke it down exactly how it went out, but on the last week's pod, but I was still a little shocked. So, okay. So Marab, I think is, is everything we said he was, we said he has a granite chin and he's impossible to finish. I know we got close, but remember what, what Marais did to Aljo. I mean, took him out with a flash head kick and, and there was no recovery there. I think that. Marab needs to work on his defensive striking and like his, his entries. I think that his defense is an issue, but to be able to be that out on your feet, come back and land 140 unanswered strikes is just like unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. So to answer your question, my heart was a mil- my heart rate was a hundred, a million. I, I literally thought he's, he's done. He's sliding. This was his chance to move up. And versus Marlin, <laughs> it wouldn't even look good. No, it would not look good. And and I'm happy to see him ride it out. They actually switched spots in the rankings. So Marlin moved down to 10, and Marab moved up to 6 now. Now, I guess I'm going to piggyback off that quickly and just say, I was, I was talking with a buddy about this, uh, and we were talking about he, – he knows I'm a big Marab guy, and we were talking about the state of the Bantamweight division. So – Rob six 
Five is 135 Al- Aljo. Four is Font. Three, Sandhagen. Two, Dillashaw. One, Piotr. And then Aljo, obviously. Who can Marab take in that bunch at, at where he sits right now with, with being rocked like that by a striker like Marais? I think the only one on that list I see him having a chance with is Bob Font. Mm. I'm inclined to agree with you. Uh, maybe Corey, because not so much the pace, but more, I think Corey would struggle the most out of that list with the wrestling. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and I think we'll find out with uh, all the fight announcements that came out and Piotr Jan is a phenomenal wrestler. I yeah. Mean, next level. And if Corey Sandigan's got a hole there, which Aljo definitely exposed, Piotr Jan is going to be all over that. I think we'll see him have to, have to defensive grapple for sure. Yeah, and we'll get into that in news and notes because I actually have a counterpoint for that as well I wanted to ask you because it's interesting, the, the matchup they made there. I mean, Dan Hooker looked as good as ever. I, I know he was the only city kickboxing guy. A lot of people think that Volkanovski's also city kickboxing. He's not. But that's one that I swung and whiffed on. I, I thought Nasdrat was going to look the part, but I think this is the best Dan Hooker we've seen. Yeah, it was, that was my other question is – Last week you said you don't understand the Dan Hooker hype. Have you taken a 180 on that? You understand the hype now? I mean, so, he's a complete fighter. That fight hit the mat. I mean, at yeah, no point was he yeah. uncomfortable even. Oh, yeah. I So I struggled with Hooker for a couple reasons. One, like I said, I saw him live with Parker in Milwaukee when he got absolutely dismantled by Edson. And obviously that's not like a, a big deal. Edson's one of the most talented strikers this sport's ever seen. But – I remember kind of analyzing his record a little bit and, and, and I know the, the knockout from Gilbert Burns aged phenomenally, but at the time there were still question marks. I know Burns was looked mainly as a grappler and, and I, I just felt like the, the 55 division is so fucking stacked that I didn't think there was room for a guy like hooker. I'm eating those words. I, I am. I admittedly so. I, I think that the Chandler finish was a tough look, and I, I was on my high horse thinking, oh, look how smart I am. But this hooker, which, by the way, not to get too on the on a tra- uh, tangent, but did you know because of all the COVID restrictions and stuff, for that Chandler fight, hooker's only cornerman was one of his students? Yeah. I was so shook by that when I heard that. I was like, oh, my God, that, that would have been unbelievable information to know. Yeah, no code, no Eugene Behrman, no, yeah. no, no one. The so so that definitely plays a factor there. But yeah, I, I admittedly will will eat my words. So my but other question, flip it back on ahead. you yeah, real yeah, yeah. quick. Dan Hooker rose to six. You said the lightweight division is stacked. The guys ahead of him: Islam, Chandler, Darius, Gaethje, Poirier, Vera. How many of those guys do you reckon he can beat? I think I think people. I think there will there will be a hole for someone to explore. Uh, exploit Dariush. I mean, you got to remember this Dariush is a guy who he obviously has picked up his defense a little bit, but like he was getting flash knocked out by Edson. He was getting flash knocked out by Alexander Hernandez, who, I mean, there was only a one in front of the number when he fought Scott Holtzman. There you go. And I I think that Dariush has benefited from his opponents in a way. I mean, he, he got Tony on the decline of all Tony's. Um, And so I don't agree. but I don't I, think that the other guys are, are any easy. I tasks. agree. No, 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 there isn't. This division is just absolutely insane. Um, so I, I know there was a little bit of a storyline going into this card too. It, it was the Nick Diaz and the Diaz storyline here. So I want to 
it's a two-part question here for me or, or two-part storyline here. The first one is Diaz got two of his guys on the card. The Diaz brothers obviously have tremendous power in what goes down and how their cards shape out. Martin Sano, 15 seconds, gets absolutely lit up by Senselberger. The other one was Nick Maximov, and he did beat Cody Brundage. But to me, to me, I wasn't overly impressed. And, and I know that you were high on Maximov coming in. I know that you love his gamer spirit, the fact that he fought at heavyweight and all that shit. I, I was very – I'm, I'm going to write off Sano. That obviously was a, di- uh, a gift from Diaz. Even the commentators were like, yeah, he doesn't belong here. But, but Maximov, I'm, I'm really interested to hear about. And then on the flip side, I want to hear your opinion on what happened with Nick. Because first off, I've never seen a Diaz brother quit like that before, ever. Um, and second off, I'm, I'm really curious where you think Nick's head at. Because he wasn't super coherent in a lot of his interviews. He was saying a lot of things like, Robbie's a terrible matchup for me. Or he he did what i what i deserved and and weird really cryptic weird things where it's like wondering where his head was at in this fight and and why he necessarily took it if he had this feeling so i i know i threw a lot at you there but yeah no for first real quick on nicks that was someone who i was really high on someone who i'm a fan of submission underground wise someone who i actually bet on last saturday and you're right he really struggled to get that takedown he looked a little lost at trying to turn that away from a striking match, um, which was something that surprised me. Uh, I, I think we said fighting a 185 or he was able to take down, or he was able to take down a guy who weighed in at 265 um, pretty easily multiple times. I didn't think he was going to have any problem with the guy 80 pounds lighter. And I was a little surprised, yeah. but I do think he belongs. I do think he'll learn from that. He needs to get real UFC octagon experience. But he's not so much at the top of my prospect list uh, or near nearly as high as he was even See, going into Saturday. For me, I think that – and I had it in my notes. So I like to take notes when I'm watching and just try to set myself up for less work in the future but also where I'm at thought-wise on the night of the fight. And the first thing I, I had going into round three was maximum potential fade opportunity down the line. I mean, look who he's facing. He's facing a guy like Brundage. Brundage looked like a guy who had really had nothing for Maximov in, in the terms of trying to scramble and trying to get out from, from under him. It just it didn't feel like a, a fair debut for Maximov. I mean, you're talking about a guy who lost his contender series bout, then then won on LFA, and now he's fighting Maximov. He, you know, he didn't really. So I'll be interested to see where Maximov goes from here, but I was not overly impressed. I think I expected a lot more, especially given his mixed martial arts credentials. I was a little surprised. I, I won't lie to you. Definitely. No, I, and I might be right there with you on the fade train because I was a little bit shocked at, at the – lack of jujitsu trips or just the lack of a wrestling game plan. That Uh, was my big thing. I expect him to go in there and just maul him with the wrestling. And like, mm -hmm. it was kind of like like that. Just grab wrist control and figure something out. I don't know. It was kind of like that, but I mean, especially for the line he was and all that, it was an underwhelming uh, spot for me. But then Diaz Lawler too. We talked about it a lot and set the spread. And then also last week, this was not one I was super surprised about. I mean, I mentioned so many times Diaz hasn't fought in like six years, hasn't won in like 10 years. This is a guy that there's just so many questions marks about when I found out it was close to even, I was shocked. I was like, Waller's been training and active and 
I mean, he's the guy. And that's not to say Nick didn't have his moments, but as you said, leading up to the fight, it was kind of weird. He was like being constantly asked like, oh, the fans are so excited for this. They're more excited for this fight than any of the others. You're the big selling point of the card. And he was like, the paycheck, the number match, what I, what I negotiated. And so shit, I've got to actually throw fists now. Like I didn't really expect them to actually say yes to the number. It seemed like he never really wanted to be in there the whole time. And then round three came and he had hit. I, I honestly thought it was a pretty entertaining fight. They said an awesome yeah, pace. It wasn't bad. I mean, the Nick Diaz dirty boxing against the fence was classic. But then I when felt he, bad he, for Nick. Yeah, that was yeah. my issue. He never I really felt bad, even with his movement though. Yeah. He, he allowed himself to fight off the off the cage, trying to counter. He didn't look like he was fully invested. And we always say, if you have one foot in, you have no feet in in the sport. You're gonna trip, yep. fall. 100%. I wasn't yep. surprised. I was I honestly respect the way that he was like I'm done no mas. It was very undiaz like, which is surprising, but yeah. it's not surprising in the lead up to this fight and looking at him literally having no wins for a decade. It's it's tough to come back from that. Do we see him again? I think it's as sad as it sounds. I think it's the same kind of thing where if the number matches what he wants, what his business manager wants, we'll see him again. And he'll I wonder if Dana wants fight. him again. I know Dana and in, in news reports was saying like, what a great fight. I, what a great, whatever. But I, I wonder what, what Dana's really really had heads really at. I mean, at one fifteen or one ten each way, when we were doing the podcast, I know we were like, Oh, whatever. I don't really know. And as it built up to fight week, I was like watching the way Nick handled himself, watching the way Nick talked, watching the way Nick sounded, watching the way he answered every questions. And, and it made no surprise to me at all that the line closed at Lawler minus 160. And it should have been way higher. I just think five rounds for a guy like Lawler who is gassed after the first every time, I could see why people would be worried. But yeah, I, there really was no fight to be had there. And then last thing before we move on to news and notes and continue trucking is I, we need to talk about the main event. We, we absolutely need to. Oh, and I honorable mention quick too. I, I needed to mention it. Phenomenal performance from Jalen Turner is a guy going in. I know me and Danny both had Medich on our cards. We both thought Medich was a guy who, especially getting all those finishes, really stood a good chance in this fight. And, and Turner showed the part and looked phenomenal. So I really want to do an honorable mention there. Excited to see where Turner goes. But uh, Volkanovski Ortega, couple couple things. One, five-round absolute war. And for those who listen to the Buffer interview, which if you're here and you've made it this far, you definitely have, um, he talked for a second about how, A, one of the best featherweight fights ever, but more importantly, that third-round controversy. Basically, Ortega, they're asking him, can he see, can he see? He's kind of saying no and shaking his head no. And you get a minute in between each round. And I think he ended up getting like two and a half minutes, three minutes while the doctors were checking him out, allowed him to shake the cobwebs off and came right back in round four. So it felt a little unfair. I do want to hear your opinion on that because during the interview, we didn't totally talk about it. It it, it, We mainly got Bruce's opinion. But so I guess what's your opinion on that round three controversy? And then has Volkanovski done enough to finally earn the respect from the MMA community as a whole? Cause I know me and you have always touted him as, I mean, he was our ankle lock last week. Uh, I had a shitload of money on him. I know you probably did as well. Oh yeah. We've been talking about him forever. But every, the conversation is always Max Aldo, Max Aldo, Max Aldo. And that's fair. I mean, don't get me wrong. Those are totally fair conversations, but Volkanovski's 
beat all three of them. I mean, at max twice. So I counted that three times, but like, I don't know, man. I, I, I think that if a Mount Rushmore featherweight, Spolkanovsky's on it. I, I think that in a Washington monument of featherweights, it's, yeah. a, it's a Volkanovsky monument. I mean, I, know. I don't disagree. You mentioned it. it. It's 20 rounds versus Aldo Holloway, Holloway. Um, and then now Ortega, a really, really talented fighter, a really tough fighter. And I want to say he's lost like two or three of them. And they were all against Max. <laughs> it's who arguably is the goat, by the way. Damn impressive. I think he's finally getting the respect from the UFC. I know he moved up a bunch of the pound for pound rankings. Yeah. The he ranking did. system. He's two that now, I actually, actually. think is, is just terrible, but glad to see him get respect. Did you hear that? He's two. Oh, awesome. They pulled this... John out and Volk in. Volk's two now. Good. Or maybe three. Izzy might be. I don't know. Usman's John one, Jones. but whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John, John Jones, Jones should have been pulled a long time ago. They didn't pull him out. They just dropped him down two slots, but still. Whatever. Yeah, but, whatever. yeah, uh, I, I think that he's no longer the most underrated champion because I think people are coming around. Um, I think he's for sure on top of that. Uh, Mount Rushmore, I would say he might be gearing himself up for the Mount Rushmore of UFC fighters. I'm not going to go ahead and say MMA no, fighters. No, you're not wrong. But all I'm saying current on a trajectory all time. Not yet, but yeah, of real greatness. And I I don't think we should forget what we're seeing. We really need to appreciate it because it is special. He's awesome. And Kobe before the year ends, jot this down in your note before the year ends. I want to go back and revisit our pound for pound lists. I think that'd be an absolute blast to see over time. If I know I had Volk pretty high on mine, I, I don't remember if he cracked yours, but I, don't I think, think he did, and I'm already regretting it. Yeah, I think that'd be a pretty fun thing to go back and see and and go over. Um, but yeah, I set mine to y'all, so I'd love to see where mine is too. Yeah, I think it'd be a blast. So jot that down in your in your notes to make sure near maybe the November December as the year closes, and we ankle pick recap for the year. We go over our pound for pound list and see where how we're looking. But yeah, I mean, I think this is a featherweight bout for the ages. I, 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 oh, and then yeah, just finish up quick, Dan, on that third round. What did you think on the third round and uh, the controversy the whole? Also, I couldn't see whatever you showed me because the background blocked it out. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was laughing at. No, but I thought I thought the controversy wasn't. I I didn't see it so much as controversial. I thought it was a good job of the doctor and of the ref. I that's think interesting. that you, I think you do need to check in a guy that. I mean, it was almost finished, and I want to say the end of the of the um, second, and you kind of got to check on a guy who appears to be out on his feet, who appears to be a little bit unresponsive, especially in that corner. We touched about well, it there with was Bruce. A we touched about it a second ago with the Nick Diaz fight. Uh, I we're, don't not, we're not here to see these fighters get hurt. We're here to see like them compete their martial arts, and if, if he's not able or sound to do that, it's, it's worth checking. And I, I think don't... they did their due diligence and hopefully got it right. I don't remember if Bruce mentioned this, but the cornerman actually picked Ortega up off the ground, which is already illegal within itself. The fighter needs to get himself up and walk himself to the stool. So already in fraction number one, and then he ended up getting three minutes in break because the doctor's kind of like, yeah, I don't really want to stop this or I don't, this fight should be stopped. And then Herb's kind of like, we should kind of keep it going. And he's asking, can you see? And Ortega's kind of like, not really. It was a whole thing. But all in all, I think the fight ended how it should have. Um, and man, as Ortega got that warrior spirit. 
Really quickly before we move on to news and notes, a couple funny things. I, I scrolled down to see what uh, Volkanovski Max 3 line uh, for future lines would be. I, I, it's not out, but two, two quick lines that, that, uh, that are kind of funny. First one, in a potential Chris Daukus versus Derek Lewis fight, what do you think the line is? I, I want both of you guys to Danny here. I want both of you guys to bet this, but I'll let I Danny have go to first. imagine that Lewis is favored. Uh, simply, oh, yeah. uh, he, he's got that bump and he's got that push. He's got that right yeah. hand. Um, Dalkus looked great. He's looked great in his last couple, albeit against a bunch. Yeah, I was about to say, look who he looked great against. Old but yeah. chinny motherfuckers. Number. Right, give me, give me, give me a quick line. Give me a quick 260. line. Two sixty. Two sixty in favor of in my Lewis. Head, yep. In my head, I was thinking 250, but I kind of don't want to be stuck on under here. I'll stick with 250. Okay, so unfortunately, on most U.S. books, it's not out yet. Actually, every U.S. book. It's only on the same book that kind of does all these futures. It's Chris Daukus minus 140. <laughs> Interesting. The other fun one that I saw, which I I'm think shell is – shocked. Here's another one that I saw that I think is kind of funny. What line do you set Yuri Pohashka? Versus Jan Blahovich in their ti- in a title fight, potential title fight. Jan minus one ninety five. People people are pretty high on on Jiri, um, not just because his name is pretty cohesive to say Poha in the middle of. <laughs> but I'm gonna go less than Kobe. I'm gonna go minus one fifty. Okay, it Blahovic. is it is Pohashka minus one twenty. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Crazy, man. When are people going to start? Giannis gets no respect. No respect. Izzy moving up was minus 250. That's crazy. But I know I, this to share a fight coming up uh, 268 or 267 will be an absolute blast. So I know we're excited for that one. All right. I thought that'd be – once I saw those, I thought those needed to be mentioned. Kobe. I feel like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, feel like I just got my dick kicked in by the pros. Like I, I, I'm always sitting with the lines actually in front of me when you guys are going through those. <laughs> If it makes you feel any better, Danny didn't do much. Danny didn't do much better. Yeah, no, I mean, and Danny is the pro, and Danny is the pro, and he didn't get either favorite either. Two hundred ninety points off. And the reason why I, the reason why I picked those is because I also didn't get the favorites right. So, over three across the board, the public's on one for those. But go ahead to news and notes, and then we'll hit into this week's card. Bunch of stuff to cover here, real quick. We'll, we'll, We'll jostle through them. First, let's let's talk about John Jones real quick. Obviously, he had a rough Friday night, Saturday morning. Yeah. He was arrested in Vegas on the night of the Hall of Fame ceremony, right? Yeah, with him but, and Gustafson fight in the uh, fight wing, which is uh, deservedly so. That fight was awesome, but so he had it was a what they called a domestic violence incident. I don't think it was anybody that pressed charges. He ended up what a, the reports were pulling a girl's hair to keep her from running away. And apparently the girl, I think it was his wife or girlfriend, um, had some dry blood on her lip. It looked like she had a swollen lip, but she said that he didn't hit him, hit her. Uh, You know, it's one of those things that it's really tough to hear. And it's a guy that's kind of already been spiraling in the wrong direction. You hope that he can get it together. And actually, you know what, that was, you know, his Sunday morning Instagram story was, I'm going to spin into a positive and train and remove alcohol from my life. And you know, it's all, eh, too, it too all little, too sounds late. good, but it, right. You, you know, it, it no, would sound been, a lot better if you weren't arrested Friday night. Shout out Danny, you know, him. shout out to Jack primer, but we've been having this talk all the way back to before Cormier Jones too, where I'm saying 
Cormier is the stand-up guy. He's the real Hall of Famer, in my opinion, because Hall of Fame's not only inside the octagon, but it's outside as well. And Jack was like, no, you're wrong. You're stupid. Like, there's no way. John Jones is the GOAT. He's a great guy. He's changed. Look at – can Jones and, – and Cormier said it. He said a guy like that can never change. Is I How many more incidents until people are like, all right, enough's enough. And I think this one's probably the last one because – I, I don't know if you can come back from from laying your hands on a girl in my opinion. Oh, yeah, the details are absolutely awful. Tire can't change their stripes. It's it's just no, it's a shame. It's a shame. So sad. Ruben from the right. pound for pound already. Yeah. He only moved down two slots. He hasn't been active because <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I've been talking about this for like years now. So I mean he hasn't fought since fucking Reyes. How inactive do you have to be to be removed from the rankings? unlimited active like i and and the thing is too not to get too stuck here but it's like you look at a guy like john and it's like he's coming off his two worst performances to date he threw an illegal knee against smith it's like i know he's regarded as the goat and there's reason behind it like i know his his highest level of jones has been phenomenal but it's like i don't know man mount rushmore mma jones doesn't make it for me i think silva had a better mma career uh, which I don't think is that crazy of a take, but also, I don't want to get bogged down. But yeah, I, I don't want to get bogged if down. A, if there's an, any ankle pick historians, I think you did put John Jones on your MMA Mount Rushmore when we did that segment. I but, probably did. And in your pound for pound rankings, what a month ago? Yeah, well, he hit a woman, so now I'm done with him. Uh, it was his fiance, by the way, guys. Just fiance, to okay. I know we were kind of curious, but all right, keep going. All right, Dana Wick Contender Series. I don't know if y'all caught that this week, yesterday. Um, we had four fights, one or well, five fights. One was canceled, so four that got fought. Two contracts. Um, it was a lightweight Daniel Zellhuber from Mexico. There's no way I got the pronunciation right. <laughs> and he, had he actually a, did. I think that's Zellhuber. That's I think that's what it yeah. was. All right, point for me. He had a. 29-28 across the board decision. And then from the Ukraine, a light heavyweight, first-round knockout for Ihor Pochera. Um, and he was the second contract. Okay. Only two Very contracts exciting. this week? Only two contracts this week. Which, by the way, I think there's been like 21 contracts through the first five weeks of Canada Shears, which is, I don't know, obviously a record, but that says more about the previous uh, weeks than this one. So, Yeah, ton of talent on that show. Third item, Kai Kamaka signed with Bellator. Interesting. Okay, yeah, I knew I he wouldn't stop fighting, but interesting. No, he'll come back. He already fought in Bellator, so it's a, it's kind of like a re, them reuniting. He'll, oh, he'll probably find his way back. He's still young, I'm pretty sure, like 27 or something, 26, 27. Got a couple of UFC 267 announcements. RDA is out against Islam. Um, Islam's looking for a new opponent, but we were talking about a little bit pre-show. It's just so hard to believe that anybody's going to, you know, willingly step into the octagon. It was already so hard for Islam to find his next fight as it was. So, I can't imagine somebody doing it short notice. Sarukian, thoughts? I mean, he's been talking the big game. I got don't know if he's ready. And Yeah, I mean, I would hope he's ready in a couple months, but that'd be fun. No, 267's when, when it, in that it's a month October? From now. Yeah, October yeah, 30th. Yeah, you couldn't even get a full camp in. I don't know. I think they might just scrap that all together. I know there's been rumblings of Hooker filling that spot, but I know he has really no interest. And with all the COVID protocol, he's kind of shut it down a couple times now. 
Also 267, Aljamain Sterling out injury reasons. Okay. We, I, so go, go ahead. ahead. Okay. Yeah, no, I was I'll, just finish, say, I'll finish the announcement. But you, go, you take it. I was there. just going to say I called this on the podcast. I, and I wanted to say that Aljo was going to fully withdraw because he doesn't want that fight. And I didn't say that. I hinted that I don't think the fight's going to happen. It was like three episodes ago or two episodes ago. And it came in fruition right after where – I, I am almost certain Aljo doesn't want that fight again. I, I bet it never happens. In the I, meantime, in the meantime, we do have an interim title, interim bantamweight title fight for 267, and it's Corey Sandhagen stepping in against Piotr. Okay, Yard. and so th- that was the other thing I wanted to ask the question: Why not TJ? TJ beat TJ's there. hurt. Is that confirmed? Like, not it's not that cut over the eye, right? It's like an actual like. No, no, no. I think I think it's the knee from the same fight. Oh, okay. That makes it – I did not hear that. So I was so confused why Corey got that one. Okay. Yeah, I, that, I had that question as well, but I'm 99% sure that no, TJ's hurt with, from the, with that knee. I think it's the left knee from that Corey fight. That sounds but, right. I um, just This would be a great matchup. I still favor Piotr a lot, but it would be a great matchup. It will be a really fun – for a fun division to not get just stuck in the mud. Does that have a date yet? That's 257, that, 10 Oh, so it's, it, they're not moving it at all? It's staying on nope. the card? Okay. Yep. Uh, all right, I'm not even going to ask the line. We'll wait for set the spread, so stay tuned, people. Also 267, Makwan Amir Khani is fighting Lerone Murphy. Mm, I never was going to guess that, Kobe. <laughs> Reese was trying to get a pre-show and had no chance. <laughs> yeah, I like that fight a lot. I think that's a tough stylistic matchup for Murphy, but I think Murphy all in all is the – not the better fighter, but more athletic and, and more in his wheelhouse there. I, I think he probably gets that one done. So a bunch more fight announcements here. I'm just going to go in order. Yeah, just rapid fire. I'll try not to mention something after every single one you name. No, no, I want. That's the whole point of this. These are some fun ones. Uh, Max Holloway, Yair Rodriguez, November 13th. That's one's excited. That one's going to be a bigger line than it should be. Yair at the dog price is a, a debate, but... I, I, Max should have that one pretty handedly. I just am scared that Lions going to have like five fifty or something crazy like that. Um, November twentieth, one week later, we've got Augusta Sakai and Taito Avasa. Mm. Banger! Interesting. Who who was in that? You might not have it on hand, but who was in that fight before Sakai? That is a scratch know. fight. Uh, I'll find out. You keep going. All right. Um, we've got November 20th also. Ketlin Vieira and Misha Tate. Misha Tate's second fight back. Correct me if I'm uh, wrong, it, but that's the headliner, correct? It, it was Walt Harris. Sorry. It was, was Tuivasa, Walt Harris. Yeah, and then Sakai came in. Uh, Walt withdrew. So, following that, Two weeks later, Rob Font, Jose Aldo. Now that one, I that one is a fight, people. Thirty-five Aldo. He's a scary dude. No, he's I. It's scary to say, but I think it's the best Aldo we've seen. Also, like the oldest thirty-three-year-old on planet Earth. Aldo feels like he's like thirty-eight. He so he might have another run at at that thirty-five belt. Like seriously, if he gets past this one, I'd say he's next in line. Also, twelve-four. Your boy, Danny, Zalgas Zumagulov fighting Manel Cape. I think Zalgas is going to get smacked there. 
Also, Danny, quickly, I botched. I was drinking a little bit, so I botched an au- auction. But uh, Demir Izmagulov. Demir teal, is way more my guy. Teal to 49 Prism PSA 10 sold for 80, 88 bucks. If you're the guy who snaked that, I'll give you 110 right now. No questions asked. <laughs> Hopefully that deal Great gets deal. made. 12-11, one week later, we've got Pedro Munoz, Dom Cruz coming back. Oh, Dom's back? Interesting. Yeah. That guy's just a fighter at heart. It always it always interests me in what fights Dominic says yes to because he said no to so many. I know. And, and, and so it's just always why, interesting. Yeah. We already touched on this fight, but the announcement for 12-18 is Derek Lewis, Chris Dawkins. Um, oh, I... Oh, I I'm... No, I fucked cool. that one. That's cool. We'll Didn't realize I jumped the shark. It, it, the uh, public's going to move the shit out of that one when the time comes. We've got That'll probably couple- be the last fight of the year, correct? They usually like to take a break for Christmas and whatnot. December 18th sounds like 12, a- 18 sounds like, yeah, I don't have anything announced in between then and uh, the first pay-per-view of 2022. Whoa, that's a little bit of a trip right there. But the first pay-per-view of 2022, we've got Derek Brunson, Jared Cannonier announced. Fun. And it kind of makes sense that Izzy Whitaker is going to headline that one. That's not announced, but that seems like that's where my my nose is in the air and I'm sniffing it since. I think that that's what I'm picking up. Fun night for middleweight. I mean, and, and not to do a quick news and notes transition, but we've got a big potential of city kickboxing uprooting and going to the USA. Not sure exactly where they're going to go, but Izzy's talking about how he's moving for sure. Eugene says it's a really strong possibility. I mean, we just talked about Hooker trying to get a fight yeah, quickly, Hooker not trying to up. quarantine. Um, it makes a lot of sense. It, it's it's these guys want to fight. They can't train in in New Zealand or in whatnot. It's glad to have them in America. So also on that one twenty two card, we got two more, and then that's it for news and notes. We've got Greg Hardy, Alexia Linick announced for one twenty two, and Danny. Adolfo Vieira and Wellington Terman. Interesting. Adolfo by sub. Yep. Pretty. See, I don't know about by sub, but Adolfo really is just that good at the jits. That's it. That's news and notes. There was a lot there, but. Yeah, that's a that's probably our record for jam-packed news and notes, to be honest with you. Um, okay, so let's get our thinking caps on and move over to Santos Walker. Dan, did you – did we settle on an ankle lock? I know who we're talking about. Give me – we did? Good man. I think we did. Yeah, there was a lot of potential opportunities. We all kind of had our reserves, but we do have one, so we'll, we'll hit you with it when we get there. Um, but this week, Johnny Walker – Versus Thiago Santos on ESPN Plus. Oh, it looks like it's an early card again. It looks like it's starting at 3 p.m. So it'll be over by 10. Um, Central time. Uh, Central time. I always it starts at 6 p.m. The I think next card. week's even earlier. I think the Dern Rodriguez is like noon starts. Yeah, it is. Main we'll talk about that one. Main card starts at three. Oh, give me. I miss the Fox Sports days when they like wouldn't end till midnight. My night was just spoken for. Um now people have an excuse to drag my ass out afterward when I'm fucking shit hammered. But with all that being said, let's start it off. So Bantamweight bout, Alejandro Perez versus Johnny Eduardo. And the line I know is, is a, a, a big one. It's – sorry, I just chugged water. Um, 
Alejandro Perez minus 235, Johnny Eduardo plus 195. Yeah, and the line, it's it's big for a reason. I mean, neither guy has fought in multiple years, but Perez has actually fought decent competition in Song Yudong and Cody Stamen, and he fought really well against Cody. He's a decent wrestler. Uh, he's got decent hands. On the other side, Eduardo, on top of having not fought since 2018 and not won since 2016 with his last win coming over Tough alum, Manny Gamburian, fan favorite, lost to Nick Diaz in the tough final. Listen but he's 41 names. years old. I was about to say, listen to these names you're naming. Right. He's 41 years old. It is an interesting fight to be booked. Uh, it's not like he's out of a really pro- pro- or prominent gym. I think that Perez is going to win this. I'm afraid to bet it just because neither guy has fought in forever, but Perez is favored for a reason. Yeah, I lay off this one just because, like what you said, there's too many question marks about guys who have taken this much time off. The one thing, though, is I thought Johnny Eduardo was a lot – not a lot younger. I, I guessed, like, 37, 38. When I saw he was over 40, I was like, holy shit, man. The guy's just been so inactive. Yeah. I mean, look, like, he was a, a sparring partner for, for Aldo down in Brazil. I'm trying to think of some of the other awesome strikers. And, and – He's got, like, some tools. I, I just think he hasn't shown it in a long time. He's, he's over that hump. He hasn't won since 2016. It's, it's Alejandro Perez or pass. I, the only I thing mean, Eduardo's is, record is funny. It's like Takanori. Let, let me ask you a quick <laughs> question, though, with Eduardo. Eduardo versus Stamen. You like Stamen, right? Yeah, I do. Me too. Eduardo versus Song Yudong. You like Song Yudong, right? I do. Those are the guys that stopped Perez. Everyone else on his list, he has good wins over, like Iri Alcantara. Stamen so, didn't stop him. That was a, that was a decision. No, not that... stop, but I meant beat him. But yeah, right. that was a decision. I mean, even Eddie Wineland. I know Eddie Wineland struggled in the past, but like, I don't know. I I, I think Perez. It's it's a risky bet, but it, it, he could be a parlay at it that two forty. Yeah. Yeah, it's always hard to back a 41-year-old. All right, Dan, this one I know you're excited for. Prelim bout at 135, Shauna Young versus Stephanie Egger. And uh, I, I tilted Danny's head a, li- a hand a little bit, but he's going to have to come out of the the strategy closet here. Stephanie Egger minus 130, Shauna Young plus 110. Dan, lead it off because I have a different take. Yeah, this is one where I go against the science. I'm always preaching woman's dogger pass, woman's dogger pass. I think Stephanie Egger is a favorite here for good reason, and I think that she should be even a bigger favorite. You look at Young, you look at her record. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Reese. No, I was just going to say that I, I don't disagree with your take on that. I just – it seemed like you almost are thinking you're going to lay this one. I think I might. It, it won't be for major units but I really do like this at, at 1.30. You look at Shanna Young. This is a girl who lost her Dana White Contender Series appearance to Sarah Alpar. Yeah. We spent like a good 20 minutes clowning Sarah Alpar and giving her <laughs> a pink slip. And, and I mean, fucking like snail mail post officing. I handed, I walked up to her door and I handed her a pink slip. Just now, we're talking about singer, a, yeah. now we're talking about a girl who lost to her versus Edgar, who's, going to be the bigger fighter, the stronger fighter, so, the better grappler. She's going to close the distance and just drown her so in, the, in I, that small apex cage. I know she has a judo background, 
but here the issue with my take is I think if I'm doing a pick them, I agree. I, I think Egger wins. My question is, what have you seen from her that makes you comfortable enough to back this one? It is that judo. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, obviously she has that loss versus Tracy Cortez. Yeah. That's what I taped mainly. The other stuff was hard to find. That that was more so. I think that that was a, a bad showing for Egger, but she showed that she was physically gifted enough to dominate non-UFC talent. Tracy Cortez is is not the best, but definitely respectable. So you go as far as to say that Shauna Young is is on that cusp of non-UFC. She's on the cusp. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying that she's not, or I'm not, I'm not calling her a C word fighter or whatnot. Oh, that right. sounds way more harsh than I, than I want. It, I'm going to actually say Cobra. I'm going to actually say Cobra. Yeah. I was going to say, especially for women, let's, uh, let's not get canceled before we no, start. I'm not going to call her a COVID <laughs> fighter. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if we're talking next week and we're like, how the hell did she get the bump for this fight? I mean, losing contender series, not a great LFA record, not great opponents in, in early promotions. I think that Edgar is just going to drown her. Um, well, I guess the, the plug is always stay tuned to at ankle pick pod to find out Dan's official play on that one. Cause I'm curious to see if you actually lay. And then on top of that, where the units lie next fight, Douglas Andrade versus Perello. I, I am not even going to give a shot at that first name. Gaetano. Gaetano Perello. Isn't that Italian? Aren't you supposed to be no, Italian? You, you no, claim some that's, crap. That, that's Belgian. My guy don't even oh, don't, okay. don't you're, you're, uh, you're a Eastern European racist. <laughs> um, Reese might be directionally racist because <laughs> Italy is not Eastern European. <laughs> <laughs> with that being said i don't even know if belgium is with that being said douglas de andrage minus 245 and perello plus 105 and i have a sim- kind of interesting take but i want to give you the lead on this one i am very intrigued by whatever your take is going to be all right maybe i just go first go go ahead all right so perello got absolutely ragdolled in his Ricky Simone fight. And here's the thing. Debut. We all know debut. And we all know the talent that Ricky Simone is. It's not like that's even that bad of a loss. It's more how he lost. It, he looked like he didn't have anything for him. He looked like he was a little bit out of his out of his ranking here. You go on the other side of Andrade. And this man, I know he's older. I know he's on the, the wrong side of 35 but he looks like someone that you sculpted in an absolute lab. I mean, he is just jacked out of his mind. He's rocking the angry mullet. I I just, I I think Andrade is going to be too much of a physical presence for him. I think Andrade is going to be able to put him in waters that he's not comfortable being. I don't want to say TKO, but I kind of want to say TKO. I mean, I, Look, Andrade went to UD with Lerone Murphy. He, he beat Henan Barrow, but it's a different Henan Barrow. I, I don't want to really – I mean, he's fighting – he lost to Piotr Jan, uh, which ended up being a corner stoppage, which is interesting. You might want to go back and watch that one. But he beat Cheeto Vera. I mean, he's, he, he's losing to Rob Font. Like, his, his opponents are next level on his resume. And I think when you look at a guy like Perillo, it's going to be as easy as tests to date by, by a good margin. 
Yeah, I'm glad I let you lead off because I'm just hopping aboard that train and I'm riding it to crazy town. It's going to be my take as well. Um, the only thing I'm worried about is with Andrade. He is coming down to 135 for the first time in his career. So, uh, so it's yeah, yeah so it'll after- be interesting to see how he looks weighing in. But as you said, his four losses are to absolute killers. I mean, Zubaira Tukugov, Bob Font, Piotr Jan, um, and then the most recent one to Lerone Murphy. I don't, I don't hold any of those against him. I think he's going to be the better athlete, stronger, better cardio, as long as he looks fine on the scale. I think Perella's only chance here is if this stays a 15-minute exclusive Muay Thai fight, which I think is really unlikely. Um, and Draj is going to mix it up, and I think he's just going to – I don't think Perella's going to have an answer for him. I uh, love that th- play. This needs to be said. I fucking love you, Dan. DK Capper, Dank Wagers. I mean, he comes in here and he goes, I have nothing to add. And that just goes on an absolute <laughs> – beast of a tangent that only a true MMA hardcore fan would have. I mean, you can tell it in our voice that we just love this fucking sport. No, no, nothing like nothing to add, but I have to add all of this and it's all very like intelligible and needs to be said. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Prelim bout Jamie Malarkey versus Devonta Smith. This one for me was a potential ankle lock on my end. It will see my card. I've actually already placed it. I know Danny was a little bit more one fit foot in one foot out than me. So uh, where's your thinking on the Jamie Malarkey, Devonta Smith? Oh, line on this one. So line on last one, I mentioned line on this one has steamed up to Devonta Smith minus 145, Jamie Malarkey plus 125, but it was as low. Oh, it's not as low as I thought. I thought it was closer to even earlier in the week, but oh yeah, it was. It opened up at 110 each way. So it steamed up a good margin towards uh, Smith's direction. Yeah, I'm a little – I'm really, really a little hesitant here. Smith should be the better, more exciting fighter. He's a ton of round one finishes, and Malarkey's record just isn't nearly as polished as Devonta's is. But he's he's not – he's a guy who's not afraid to get into, like, a really scrappy fight. He trains with Volkanovski, so you know he's going to have a really good game plan. He showed decent grappling against Faresayam and decent striking against Brad Riddell, although both of those were losses – he had he he had his moments against two specialists and and kind of showed that he could hang in both departments. Um, also, Smith for me is a suspect chin. I know there was just that one comma worthy loss, but to me that left hook wasn't even thrown from a place of any kind of brutal power. And it, I don't know. I I would not be surprised here if Malarkey pulls off just. A stunning upset. I wouldn't. Be, I wouldn't even be surprised if he ends up finishing Devonta Smith. I think that the deeper this fight goes, the worse it is for Devonta. And I've never seen Devonta really have to dig deep. So I just. I just don't know. There, I wasn't comfortable making okay. the lock. Now I don't want to overextend myself. However, would you? Not that you even see it differently, but would you be interested in a potential Malort wager? We haven't done one in a little while. I think it'd make great content for the world to see one of us really struggle through some gross ass liqueur. I am interested. Let's go. I, I, I like, I like me some Jamie Malarkey. Um, <laughs> if he wins, I'll do a shoey while you do the Malort. That's just the Aussie way. All right. Um, that actually works for me. Let, let's, let's rock and roll. That'll be some fun. Uh, one shoey versus one Malort or two Malorts. I'll do two. Well, I mean, if I lose, I'll do the Malort, but if oh, I win, I'll be celebrating. Done, done, done. So yeah. if, if, how many Malorts? Let's, let's figure that one out. Two. Yeah. I was, I was All right. Let's go two. One. Let's get, yeah, let's let's get two. sauced. Okay. So here's my reasoning on why I offered up such a disgustingly tasting bet. Devonta Smith 
learned so much from their the MMA math opponent that would tell you in, in comma worthy. Here's the thing. Devonta Smith is an absolute freak athlete. He's 5'9", but where he really is is 76-inch reach. I mean, Malarkey's six foot and, and is dropping three inches in reach. Factory, uh, Factory X Muay Thai guy, here's the thing that I saw that I think is going to cause Malarkey a ton of problem. Devonta Smith is very, very good at working off his jab. And he he's one of the rare breeds that can – pepper somebody with the same hand over and over and over. I mean, you're talking five, six, seven strikes all in a row with that lead hand. And Malarkey admittedly is stylistically a concern because he's comma worthy who finished Devonta Smith. Just, just better. I think he's a little bit better than what comma worthy does. Nice. Um, with, with that left hook, I think he could catch him, but Devonta Smith's, pre-fight odds to comma worthy i know he lost was minus a thousand i mean this is the type of of respect that vegas used to have on his name he destroyed or he, he ended up finishing justin james which i know he had dropped in that fight though he did he's going back to his suspect chin yeah which is what i well it's less about the suspect chin even though that is kind of a concern and it's more about the fact that i'm scared that he defensively is not sound yet i'm hoping that the 2019 loss from Kama Worthy and and maybe that I know 2021 from from James. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't want to throw too much on it, but I just think as a pure raw athlete, 28 years old with that reach and that 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 stylistic technique with that lead jab. I, and I would go as far as to say that I, I think that he finishes him in the first, but I'm not worried if it goes to the third because I, I, like I said, I like the way he fights behind that jab. I think he could win the decision if it gets there. Why were you never, ever gone to a decision in his professional career? I know everything, but he does have fourth and fifth round. He hasn't made it to the fifth round, but he made it to the fourth round for a championship belt, another promotion. Like he's fought. He just never needed it. You know what I mean? He, he usually finishes it relatively fast. So I get you I'm excited for yeah, this one. This is one I'm feeling good about. So I'm, I'm excited to see this one. And, and Kobe jot down in that notes too, that the Malort bet is there live and active. This one is, this one is open and I'm like Donkey Kong. Um, oh, dang. Another one we need to talk about. Okay. This one was another potential ankle lock for me. Carl Rosa versus Betch Cohea. Um, I placed it much earlier in the week at minus like three fifty. It's all the way up to like five fifty right now. Uh, it's 500 on the nose. So Carol Rosa is minus 500 batch Cohea plus 400. The long and the short of it for this one is it's, it's not the dogger pass. Carol Rosa looks phenomenal. Her pressure and her pacing is so good. She is so much. This isn't one where I think it's going to be like the normal women's straw weight or, or flyweight fight or even bantamweight where it kind of just coasts to a decision with that rangy strike. I mean, this is going to be a finish here. I think it's going to be a TKO. I think Carol Rosa beats her everywhere. I think including the ground. And I think Betch is a perfect stepping stool into that elite status for Carol Rosa. I think she's close to being almost on that status of a potential title contender. I think she just needs to work a little bit more, but what I saw from her and all the taping I did, this was the easiest place I've had. I, I saw it at 345 and I saw tremendous, tremendous value there. 500 makes it hard because anything can happen. Um, but 
this one is a severe mismatch for Betch Kohea. Yeah, I agree with you completely. You can't be one foot in, one foot out of this sport. It seems like Kohea has been for the past couple of years. I definitely have Carroll as parlay piece and might play it straight if that line gets a little more free. But it's like not not only are you one foot in, one foot out, but you're fighting a dangerous, dangerous woman in, in that as well. Like, oh, boy. I mean, it, it, that's what makes you – the only thing that, that worries about me is Carol Rose is so young. That's the only thing. 26 mistakes happen. I mean, Betch Cohea is like a veteran of the sport. We're talking like pre-Ronda Rousey days. So it's like, I mean, at 38, you you have that experience edge. But And I, you know I love my experience, but I just think I don't care how much experience you have against a girl like Carol Rosa. She's coming for the finish. I, I kind of think she's going to get it. Um, <clears throat> and, and Tina Shevchenko, the, the lesser of the two, versus Casey O'Neill and – we still need to get that siren. Parker's not in the studio today, so he can't do whatever fucking noise he squeaks out for an ankle lock. But this is the ankle lock of the week for Danny and myself. It's Casey O'Neill. Um, I, I oh, let me rip the line before we get into the reasoning. Um, line here for Casey O'Neill is minus two ten, and Tina Shevchenko is plus one seventy five. For me, I, I personally see this fight as. Casey O'Neill does not keep the standing for long. I think that she will maul her on the ground. I, I want to lean, to be honest with you, KOTKO over the submission. I think Shevchenko might try to fight off her back. But it, it, regardless of the route she decides to go, I think she's going to spend a lot of time on her back. I think Casey O'Neill has the top pressure to cause her a lot of fits. And I think a lot of this thinking comes from that Andrea Lee fight. I, uh, KGB Lee, I, I just, from what I saw in that fight, unless she made drastic improvements in five months to her, her uh, ground game, she's in uh, deep, deep water. Yeah, um, KGB Lee is not like an unbelievable grappler. Had her in the triangle armbar and like no, and it, no sweat. Yeah. Antonina trains with obviously her sister. She's a really sharp looking striker. Gorgeous too. Um, gorgeous. I know that is completely irrelevant, but needed to be mentioned on my end. But I mean, we saw Roxy beat her by taking her down a couple of times. The path to victory is is just so much. It's 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 right there. It's so easy. O'Neill's way by far the better grappler. Um, you're you're on top of it. This one's not going to stay on the feet for long. They're going to be down. I can see a sub pretty easily, as we just mentioned. KGB Lee had her in, in a couple of compromised situations real quick. Um, but, but the TKO is just as possible. I, I really like Casey O'Neill here. Yeah. And so it's definitely seeing both of our cards. It is the ankle lock of the week and Kobe ankle lock record. You got it for us. 21 and 11 coming off, coming of off a of win. last a bag of win. Cash. Yeah. If I've, I mean, when I'm talking about an ankle lock, I talking about like a super fat bet for an ankle lock. It's this one. I had like four or five units on bulk. Um, but yeah, I'm, let's look at two hit two out of, two out of every three if we if we hit this one, which is pretty darn good, especially because we sprinkle a, a decent amount of underdogs in the, in the ankle locks as well. Um, all right, Dan, Joe Selecki versus Jared Gordon, and I I don't even know why I just considered Joe Selecki your boy. I think you said one time you like him, and now I'm just all in on the Danny loves Joe Selecki train. But no, I get I get really passionate about fighters. I mean, Kobe brought up Zalgas Zumagulov earlier. But it's definitely not my boy. He is a name like my boy. He probably lives around <laughs> other other of my boys. 
But Joe Selecki, Joe Selecki is my boy. Let me put it this way. If, if I handed someone a prospect sheet of all the fighters, every single one sounds like Zuma Gulab. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Joe Selecki's minus 135. Jared Flash Gordon plus 115. But it's steamed down. A, oh, no, it's it hasn't. It's, it's gone up in favor of Joe Selecki. It opened it dead even. Yeah, I – I like Joe Selecki here. This will see my card. It's a featured prelim. It's a really exciting matchup on paper for grappling fans. Um, Gordon is a Hensel Gracie guy. He's a Sanford MMA guy. He's It's great. Rolls in with great, talented people. He's really skilled on paper versus Selecki, who trains at a smaller gym, Salty Dog Jiu-Jitsu. I believe he's the head sensei there. Um but he's an absolutely spectacular grappler. Uh, you had something, Reese? I was going to say the Jimmy trains out of, uh, I never heard of when I first looked at it, um, Jim O, but it actually had some recognizable UFC names uh, at the gym. Brian Barbarena trains out of there. Scott Holtzman trains out of there. Ricky Rainey trains out of there. Uh, Justine Kish trains out of there. So, at first, uh, first glance, I didn't realize, I didn't totally recognize that gym. And then as you, you look, there's, there's uh, some other UFC talent there. I mean, it's Definitely. obviously not the most notable gym, but something worth mentioning. Definitely. It's not the deepest roster, but there are some really talented guys there, as you were just mentioning. And I've said in the past, Joe Selecki's an incredible grappler. He's half human, half backpack. <laughs> uh, he has crazy transitions, great sweeps. Yeah, grapple Jim Miller. He's as shocking as it is with being a Henzo Gracie and Sanford MMA guy and Jared Gordon, I expect Selecki to be far and away the better grappler here. I actually think he's not going to be lost. I think he'll be slightly better on the feet. Um, and Jared has not really impressed me so much in any of his fights. Um, I know that he has a really cool story. He's a really fun guy to get behind. I know the announce team is going to be talking about it a lot, but he hasn't looked dominant or really that unreal in any single moment um not to mention this is going to be his first time moving up to 155 because he can't make 145 and i just i That's don't think mentioning. i don't think he's going to have the same strength and size advantage that he has had in the past like first danny chavez and whatnot against joe selecki i think joe selecki's going to be a tough meeting for him uh at his first trial into 155 in a lightweight and talk about another guy that UFC Milwaukee ruined for me. We saw Flash Gordon get slumped in the third round uh, at UFC Milwaukee. Parker and I did. But, yeah, I mean, the only note, the only fight, I, I always hel held Chris Fishgold in a very high esteem. Uh, I think he's a phenomenal grappler, although he's out of the UFC. He, he didn't make the cut. He dropped a couple losses in a row, and he summoned some random promotion. So it's like. Maybe I saw something that wasn't totally there, but I agree, Dan. I think this is a pretty, I don't want to say easy, like you said. I mean, that Henzo Gracie camp, but I, I think the grappling advantage is almost like leans decently heavy in Selecki's favor. And so I'm curious to see if Gordon has anything for him. Would you go as far as to say you're going to bet this one? I, I am. I think this one sees my card. I really like Joe Selecki. He's given me great results in the past. Um, I hope he, I hope he gets his back. Not only that, but I'm looking at it. that Austin Hubbard win from Selecki is a great win. Jim Miller, too. Jim Miller. The, the, the Austin Hubbard one was so dominant. That was like Dora the That's, fucking Explorer backpack. 
man, that is a fucking gym and a, or that's a win and a half right there. I, I think Austin Hubbard's really talented and Jim Miller, obviously I love. Um, okay. A guy that came up earlier, uh, Alex, or, or this might've been off camera. When we were talking about Darius. Oh no, it wasn't. We were talking about Darius. Alexander, the great Hernandez versus Mike Breeden and Mike Breeden to me, doesn't sound totally familiar. He's gotta be making his debut tonight. Uh, he is. And the line is going to be egregious. Yep. It's Aaron or Alex Hernandez. Did I say Aaron Hernandez the first time too? No, I said Alexander Hernandez. I thought I said Aaron Hernandez. I'm like, nah, he ain't fighting. He was fighting the demons. Uh, Alex Hernandez minus 550. Mike Breeden plus 425. Yeah. Breeden making Real quick, real quick. FYI, this is main card now. Six fight main card. Shit. Okay. But this wasn't on set the spread though, was it? No, it wasn't. I don't know. It's now it's there. It wasn't prior to. Cool. That's worth noting. And this main card starts at six o'clock over on uh, ESPN plus as always, but it's going to be an early finish. So, okay. So now that it's main card, good. Thank you for the heads up. We'll start here and then we're bringing in Parker's props as well. So Danny. Yeah. I don't have too much on this one. I don't like betting yeah. either side. Hernandez to me, isn't great, but he is for sure, UFC level, not even a debate. He hovers around kind of the top 20, but I don't really see him as a guy who was ever going to contend. Uh, while Breeden is coming to make his debut on short notice, I never like betting guys who are making their debut on short notice. He trains at Glory MMA, which is a quality gym, but he lost his Dana White Contender Series fight, so I don't really know what to make of it. Yeah. And he hasn't fought really any quality opponents um, on lower promotions up until now, so he's not really showing me that He's some guy that I need to look out for. I think that it could be similar to the Grootsmacher fight where Hernandez kind of gets a quick finish, but I don't feel super comfortable betting Hernandez to get a quick finish. Do Did Hernandez have another opponent before this, or was this always the scheduled bout? He had Leonardo Santos scheduled, and I think it got rescheduled about a week ago, or Santos withdrew about a week ago. Okay, so this is a sh- this because I was wondering how Breeden even got this fight because, like you said, he lost his contender series fight, and the contender series fight guy isn't even in the UFC. So interesting. About um, where we could go. Also, not gonna lie, Hernandez is on not a short leash, but like he's dropped three of his last five with his wins being over Gritzmacher and Trinaldo. He lost to Cerrone, Dover, and Moises. So. He's not on a short leash, but it, he, it would be nice to get in the win column for him for sure, to say the least. Yeah, I agree with you. This one's impossible to bet. And I also leave it out of parlays, to be honest with you. 500, the 500 line that this fight's going to entail is not worth putting into a parlay. I don't know if you f- feel that as well. Parker, Alexander Hernandez, Mike Breed, and I don't even know if there's props out for this. There really might not be. Um, just on, five, on five dimes, I did find something. I didn't really like anything here. Um but again, I've shit the bed last week, so maybe <laughs> go the opposite with me. Um, I'm going to go Hernandez, uh, TKO, plus 150. Find that on five dimes. Honestly, not going to lie, not a bet. If, if I was going to pick anything, it's got to be Hernandez, TKO. Maybe yeah, I would pick round is, one. Yeah. To, get, to get a guy that's minus 500 with the power that Hernandez has, finishing a guy like Darius, like we mentioned, he should be able to make quick work of Mike Breeden. Um, next main round one, Danny, you mentioned that's plus two forty. Oh, it's not, even, not even a great number. No, nah, it's not. The plus one fifty is way more enticing. Mm-hmm. Sounds like the books agree, Danny. Round one. Um, 
Next fight of the main card, Aspen Ladd versus Macy Chison. And this is a newsflash type moment, I think. Wait, was Danny, was this is this wasn't is this the one that you said you were going against the system? Or was that the O'Neill fight? Was that only the O'Neill fight? I feel like the, that was oh, no, the O'Neill was... fight and the Egger fight. Um, oh, but this one I do agree with. I, it, it's a bad night for the system of yeah, pass. Lad just has a major grappling advantage over Macy. I, I see Macy as the slightly better striker. Obviously, she has a six-inch reach advantage, which makes her awkward to close the distance with. But in, in the in the apex cage, I don't see Lad struggling to do that for too long. Um, maybe Macy went the first like two and a half minutes, but I, I see Max. it pretty strong, either 29-28 or 30-27 Aspen Lad by decision. Yeah, and it's 275 in favor of Aspen Ladd, plus 235 for Chiasen, and I couldn't agree more. I think Chiasen might get hers early. Uh, she's probably lean her in, in the striking advantage, but Aspen Ladd is going to cause her so much trouble on the ground. I think Especially are, in the small cage. Oh, my God. I think people are underestimating it. I mean, and then not only that, but it's not like Aspen Ladd's a bum of a striker either. I mean, look what she did to Kunitz Kai last time out. and not Which is I, a great – it's looking like a great win. That's aged really well. Yeah. And so you got a girl who um, – in, in Chiasen who, you know, she's beating the likes of Shauna Young, who's on the undercard, or, or Marion Hanau, who's – 44 and retired. So it's like, this is going to be a big step up for in competition as well. Um, so I'm inclined to agree with you. I, I think Aspen lad is another one of those potential parlay pieces probably wouldn't lay straight. Parker hit me with your prop. Another one. It's hard to find some lines on. So this one's from FanDuel <laughs> anywhere. We, we accept them from anywhere. Lad wins by TKO KO plus three twenty. What's decision? Is that on there? Like, is that clear or is that not? Uh, lad by decision is on five dimes is plus 200. I think I like your spot. Wow. Sorry. Lad by decision is plus 140. Lad inside the I, distance plus 200. Okay. I definitely like yours better than uh, wow. getting double the value that lad gets the finish. I do not. I. I think Parker's going to start the night off two and zero if I if I see it that way. Um, Misha Serkinov versus uh, Jocko Kristoff Jocko, and this one I is an interesting one, Dan. I've kind of since sent the spread. I've kind of been waiting to pick your brain on this one. Uh, Jocko minus one fifty with Serkinov on the other side plus one twenty. All right, Serkinov Jocko. It is really an interesting matchup, especially because Serkinov coming down from light heavyweight for the first time in his career. Um, and, and looking at his record, he's either won via sub or been knocked out in all of his last nine fights. And so obviously with all of the subs, he's going to be the better grappler coming down from light heavy. He's going to be probably the bigger fighter uh, as long as he looks fine on the scale. But I do expect there to be some cardio issues there. And I mentioned that he's been knocked out a bunch. I also expect there to be a lot of chin issues there. And Jocko being a really well-rounded fighter with good stand-up, really good takedown de defense, I don't think he's going to be uh, just at Misha's will uh, to be taken down and, and just ragdolled. I, I think that it's going to be more of a question of can Misha's chin hold up dropping the extra 20 pounds? This isn't like a cut from 155 to 45. It's going fully from 205 to 85. That's 20 pounds already being chinny up at 205. It's 
recipe for disaster, in my opinion. I don't disagree. So because of the fact that he always seems to either get subbed or get finished, or which way are you leaning? I'm, I'm on Jocko here. I think that Jocko is going to be able to negate the grappling attack of Misha and uh, pepper him, hopefully, and, and maybe catch him late and catch him after he gets tired. I, I really think that Misha is going to struggle with this cut, the extra 25 or 20 pounds. I, also, I, I don't disagree. I also want to mention that a lot of Misha's losses has not aged well. I, I would like to mention Ryan Spann. I mean, Anthony Smith disposed of him really quickly and, and looked leaps and bounds better than him. Uh, Johnny Walker is a guy who, other than his win over Misha, really struggled to gain footing. I know he's on the main event, but that's more of a personality thing. Um, so I guess it's really just those two. Glover and Vulcan's not that big of a deal. But, yeah, I, that's something that I, I'm wondering from a Misha perspective is if someone can can defend against his grappling, because obviously he leans towards subs and weird subs at that. I mean, he Peruvian necktied Jimmy Crute. If he, if it's someone who leans towards submissions, if there's someone who's good enough at, at defensive grappling, it's interesting. I just want to mention that Misha leaves a sour taste in my mouth after you and I had him as the ankle lock against Ryan Spann, and that obviously ended sour for us. Um, but yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think Jocko, and, and I think just like another one we mentioned earlier, it's really important to see how he looks on the scale and, and if he can make this weight. Parker, prop. I used Danny's analysis a little bit. Anyway, Jocko, decision, plus 280. I like that too. Three-round fight, if he defends off the submissions, the decision seems almost – I bet the over-under, too, is probably – the over is probably plus would be my guess. I don't hate that. Uh, main card, this is one I laughed about a shitload on Set the Spread, but Nico Price versus Alex – uh, Oliveira and the line here is Nico price minus 170 Oliveira plus 150 and it opened at 110 each way which is kind of crazy to me yeah I think it's steaming in the right direction obviously a lot of question marks just because both guys fight more uh, to entertain than they do to go out there and win um, they do between them have a combined I want to say like 16 children so maybe this is a fight for like father of the year or, or that's or the opposite. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, but they got a lot of kids. Hopefully that gives them a lot of dad strength. But uh, the main difference for me between the two is that Nico is just a little tougher than cowboy as of late. Uh, Nico definitely takes damage and a ton of it in every fight, but he kind of walks through most of it while cowboy's chin has looked a lot more suspect. I mean, both Shavkat and Randy cracked him. Shavkat's understandable. Um, Plus, he, he looks like he doesn't really want to be in there sometimes, and he's kind of doing it because he needs a paycheck. That one-arm rear-naked choke uh, on Randy Brown really kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Plus, Olivera's had a big-time gas tank problem as of late. Like I said, they're not in there so much to win, which is why I struggled to bet Nico Price, especially with the line steaming his direction. But I do favor him as, as the more skilled and more game-mentally fighter at this point in their careers. Let me hit you with a quick question and, and do not look at anything. Just close your eyes. How old is Alex Oliveira? Oliveira, I mean, I know, I want to say like 35, 36, but I think he's like 32. 
I thought this, I wanted to say 36, 37. He's 33. Um, and which then Nico's is, around 30, right? And Nico's 32. But the reason why I bring that up is because I had a similar approach to you as at this point in the career, I was kind of analyzing him. And it's like, yeah, okay. Oliveira has more fights, but which obviously that that does take a lot of damage on someone that that does make you a, an older 33 but you know there's a lot of guys making their pushes at 33 and their pushes at 34 and so it's like I don't know I I mean I, the 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 one-armed uh choke by Randy Brown rubbed me the wrong way too I was actually on Oliver that night and I was that was a tough scene um but like I don't know. Nico Price has not shown me anything other than he loves violence, which is fine. But you're looking at a guy who, other than a flash KO from James Vick, who, which is an upkick, by the way, because James Vick had dominant position. He just has the definition of a glass chin. And a, a he was getting dominated by team, uh, Tim Means before he also uh, got a, a pretty flashy knockout. He's dropped every fight. He's he lost to Abdul Razak Al Hassan. He lost to Jeff Neely. Lost to Vicente Luque. Granted, those are those guys, obviously are finishers, but the no contest with th- this Cerrone, the Cerrone that we've seen, I don't know, man. I I, I wonder at times if Alex Oliveira brings more to the table here. And I I actually am going to take the dog here. It, it's dog or pass for me on this one, just like women's MMA. Nico Price hasn't shown me anything to warrant a, a 170 favorite. And it's not that I even dislike Nico Price. I like watching his fights. It's more like I, I don't trust him to get the win. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm going to pass. Yeah, it's an easy pass for me. Uh, Parker Prop, I don't know if we sw- swayed you anyway. But... No, I don't love this one. Price decision plus 360. I like, the, I like the line. See, that's interesting that they make a minus 170 plus 350 on the decision. I guess – Nico is a finisher, but um, middleweight bout co-main event, Kevin Holland, a perennial fade from the ankle pick boys against Kyle Dawkins, uh, Mr. Bearded Dawkins, younger brother from last week. And the line here is Kevin Holland minus 157, Kyle Dawkins plus 137, a line that at the end of 2020, you think you would never see it opened at dead even too, which is even crazier. It's steamed yeah. up towards Kevin Holland here. And I know we have similar takes just from what I got from set the spread. Yeah. That's seeming the right way. Dawkins is obviously okay. Grappler. He's going to look to expose the obvious path to victory from the past couple of Holland fights. Um, Holland's obviously been working on that. He's been training at AKA trying to get his grappling defense up, trying to get his jujitsu back. I know on paper, he's a black belt under Travis Luther, which should mean more, but I haven't seen him even, shrimp to a hip so who knows I do know that Dawkins will want nothing to do with him on the feet it'll be interesting to see how Holland's grappling has improved but I am for sure known that Holland is going to have a major striking advantage a serious reach advantage he's going to be tough to deal with if you can't hold him down and I think it's gonna be a tough ask for Chris to come in and, and hold him down for 15 minutes which I think his game plan is going to be I think Holland gets back to the win column here Wow. So you've kind of pivoted a little bit intra week here. Yeah. See, I actually have a different approach and it's that it's not so much that Kevin Holland's going to be a fish out of water. Like he was with Brunson and Vittoria. I mean, obviously Brunson and Vittoria are phenomenal fighters. Look at their book. Vittoria just came off a title fight. Brunson's looking to gear up towards one. If he gets one more notch, 
um, which I think they're kind of doing him dirty. I think Brunson could probably get one right now. Um, but Dawkins is one of those guys. He reminds me kind of stylistically like a Neil Magny where he just drapes on you. I mean, he just lays on you heavy and just drags on you. And it's like he's going to unanimous decisions with Brendan Allen, which you haven't seen really. He's going to unanimous decisions with, I mean, very, very powerful, strong wrestlers and strikers like Phil Hawes. I, I'm feeling really good about Dawkins here. I think what I think that you're going to see him ragdoll Kevin Holland, close the distance on Kevin Holland, and kind of just wear him out until Holland kind of throws in. And and I mean, we've seen him before where he he clowns and he's talking to Khabib live while laying on his back or talking to Dana being like, this is so boring while on his back. I I think that's a form of frustration because how much years of training it takes to get out from under guys that, that have top pressure like Vittorian Brunson. And I think Dawson, although he doesn't necessarily line up in the same name and vein as those two, he smothers you, man. And he'll lay on you and he'll drag you. And he'll, I mean, there were moments in the fight and he took that Brendan Allen fight on short notice. There was moments in the fight where he had Brendan Allen and was smothering Brendan Allen from, from the clinch and had him pushed up against the fence, which is something you rarely see, especially in the same sentences as Brendan Allen. So I actually, I'm interested you flip-flopped because I actually am staying strong on the Dawkins train here. And I'm excited to get the dog value on him. I thought I was going to have to pay minus 110 each way. Um, Parker Prop, Dawkins Holland. I'm taking Dawkins by submission. That a boy. I love that. I love that. That's the one that hits. Why are those odds so high when he, like, I don't know. He finishes by sub. I love that line. 590 is a crazy line there. Not only that, but talk about a guy who, I mean, I guess he hasn't totally left the sub out there. I mean, Brunson didn't sub him or Vittori didn't sub him, but I don't think either of them really tried. I, I like that a lot, Parker. That one actually, I'm, I actually think that might see my card. That's I think both thing. of them had their hands full a little bit with keeping them down, with keeping him down, and they managed to do so without any problems, but I don't hold Dalkus as in the same level of middleweight grapplers as, as no, Brunson. But, and, and but I think – I think he absolutely smothers him. I mean, I think he just wears him down. I think it benefits, though, for sure, Kevin Holland, that it's three rounds, not five. Um, but still, I, I, I lean Dawkins as the dog. But I, I'm very interested in your take there. I, I'm This fight has now piqued my interest a little more than maybe I thought it would because I'm curious to see how it plays out with, with Kevin Holland coming off fighter of the year and then dropping two tough ones. Um, main event here. This is another one we had a very similar vein on. Tiago Santos versus Johnny Walker, the line Danny and I just sniffed and, and ended up drilling uh, during set the spread this week. But Johnny Walker is plus 135, Santos minus 155. So it's come down a little bit, Dan, but not a whole bunch. And, and we agreed that Tiago is, is the more skilled fighter, the more skilled striker. The question was that is 2021 Tiago the same Tiago? that made his title run. Obviously, he's 37 years old. He's coming off of double knee reconstruction. Um, versus Rakic, he looked like he had really limited mobility, especially with closing the distance. And I do expect Walker to be a lot more faster and a little bit more active, but he's still very, very reckless. 
Tiago has a nasty check hook. Uh, Tiago has also fought a way better strength schedule. He's way more experienced. That close fight with John Jones, I mean, I hate the dude, but I put a lot of weight in it, and I put a lot of weight in his fighting skill. I do think that there's still an elite-level fighter somewhere inside of Tiago, and if it's in the octagon on Saturday, Johnny Walker's going to have a lot of trouble. I could see Tiago catching him as he kind of rushes in, maybe with a Superman punch or something stupid like Johnny Walker loves to do. Um, but I think it's going to be a fun one. I think it's going to be more fireworks than the Rakich Santos fight, just because both of them were so hesitant in that one. And I think that Walker's kind of going to draw out more activity from Tiago. And uh, this is going to be a fun one. So, so the other thing too, is that SG, SBG Island, which we were joking about uh, on set the spread, but the, the only thing that kind of makes me think of, a little bit more about this fight than I think I would at first glance is that 82 and a half inch reach out of Walker. I mean, if he, if he even puts 50% more focus, I mean, not even the 400, if he just puts a little bit more focus on being a little bit less reckless and fighting behind his jab and using his range, he could make the run that everyone thought he was going to make at one point. I just think he's proven to be a different fighter than a lot of people thought. He, he, he's kind of like the Michelle Pereira where he's going more. He fights more for the crowd than he does for himself. And, and it's caused him problems. I mean, he got his spot blown up by Corey Anderson out of the UFC. Brutal. Nikita Krylov, also a bad loss. And if you remember that Ryan Spann fight, he actually got starched on the feet and actually did dropped. twice. Twice. Yeah. yeah. By Ryan Spann, who's much slower than Tiago, much less technically sound than Tiago before just obviously those elbows were right there in his wheelhouse on that takedown for like a good minute and a half while he just hammered away there. But the, the one thing though, is span brings a, a similar reach to the, the table, which is, which complicates things a little bit, but I agree with you significantly slower. And the only question I pose, Dan, and I know we're running a little long on this one code, but the only question I pose is what if this hits the mat? What if, what, if, what if Santos drags this one down? to Let's say Santos gets – maybe he's finding that Walker's getting a little bit the better of him on the feet, brings it to the clinch, and gets this one into the mat. Where do you favor the fight then? Because then I think it's, it's Santos's fight to lose. Yeah, I, I'm not yeah. worried about Santos getting subbed. Not at all. I think that if that happens – No, me neither. I don't think Santos or, will be as Ryan Span and leave his head open right there by the hip to just get elbowed and teed off on. I think that – if they decide to grapple, I favor Santos. I also don't expect Johnny Walker to even be able to get off his back, to be honest with you. I mean, Santos isn't known for his top control, but Johnny Walker looks like a fish out of water down there. I think I think there's a no bet for me, actually, though, Dan. That's the one thing that's changed. I think I'd like Santos earlier in the week, and I think it's kind of drifted to a no bet just because maybe that this fight ends in the distance is a decent bet, at like, but it's probably minus a million. Um, yeah, the the I liked the under until I saw that it was one point five for a five round fight, and I was yeah, like, not so much sure I want to do that. Quick set the spread before we get to Parker's prop. What do you think the inside the distance line is? Just that the fight ends inside the distance. Minus five eighty. Um, can't fucking find it. So while I fi- oh fight doesn't go to decision. Minus 550. So, yeah, you Ooh. drilled it. Yeah, you, you drilled it as far as I'm concerned. 
So that's that's too tough to lay. But like, man, it's hard to see it going a different way than than a first round finish. Parker, hit us with the prop to close the show, my guy. I'm on the other side of y'all here. Um, I think it's going to be Walker decision plus 875. Give me that juicy line. Yeah, that's the one. Out of all the props you've laid tonight, that's the one I lay off. Um, but watch, that's going to be the one that hits. Because if anyone – I mean, you, you were so goddamn green in the beginning. So that's it for this week's episode. I know between the buffer interview and – the, the breakdown and the, the girthy news and notes. It ran a little bit long. A um, couple other things, YouTube channel back up and running. We're putting the Bruce buffer interview on YouTube. So if you wanted to see some of the cards we pointed out and the painting that I got roasted for pointing at, but not mentioning that'll be over there. Uh, the TikToks up and running with a decent amount of content too, including some UFC highlights from top knockouts to top submissions. If that's something you're interested in, if you're just a fan of the sport and I think that's it. And anything you guys want to, anything you guys want to plug while we're here, or you just want to close Instagram is not up and running. We're basically hacked out of it. So yeah, I'm working we don't on know that. Our, we don't know our password. I think Danny needs to send us off today. And the reason why is because you can't go to bed angry, Dan. And, and I still feel the frustration. And so let all the frustration out in this poha and send us into the card this weekend with, with a smile. thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube